This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we review the epic space opera that is Dune. Plus, we take a look at the trailer for Uncharted, early reactions to the Eternals movie, casting news for Star Wars, Batgirl, the John Wick prequel series, and more. All in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, October 25th, 2021. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Why? I don't know. Check. Check one. All right. This is Roy Fans out there. Let's give it up. That's right, what's up, hello listener, and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. And he's the Nerd. And joining us, representing House of Trades Nuts... It's Duke Rug Boy. What's it go? How's it going, Rugs? Atreides nuts, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Like, okay, we got the nuts. <laughs> like, got the nuts joke out of the way right at the top. Good, good work there, fellas. Yeah, just, good, every, I good. expected them to say it at least once in the movie, but every, they didn't. Yeah, no, every time I was kind of giggling when I was like, hey, like "I just on, wanted like I trade these what?" I these- wanted to say it in the theater. <laughs> I wasn't at the theater. I saw it in my house, but I was saying it in my house. That's that that house's I battle cry. Nuts. Yeah, they run into battle going, "I trade these nuts." <laughs> Everybody runs scared. Anyways, enough about these nuts. We got a lot to talk about and review. Uh, let's get into it. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. I want to start with a trailer for a movie featuring Tom Holland that is not Spider-Man. Oh, shit. It's Uncharted, the long-awaited trailer to the video game adaptation of Uncharted. Uh, their first trailer came out, and right away, can I just say, someone needs to make a spoof of this called Unfarted. Can we get that done? They should be working on that. How do you unfart? I don't know. That's why we need a movie about it. Hmm. Somebody clever will figure it out. Like, do you suck the air back into your yes, asshole? May- yes. Maybe it's a deadly thing. It goes back in and it kills you. You are got unfarted. And you don't want that to happen to you. Anyways. I mean, it sounds like I can find that on, on YouPorn or something. Like, in fucking look that up so, Yes, that's what I kept thinking about. Anyway. What a start to this show. Back to the Uncharted, of course, starring Tom Holland as... Very young Nathan Drake. Mark Wahlberg is Victor Sully Sullivan and the Antonio Banderas. Also in this oh, that's, movie. That's what sold the movie for me is Antonio Banderas. So first of all, let's just uh, get out there. I believe we have all played the game. I think I've played it the least amongst the three of you. Right. Uh, I, yes. And I played it just recently during the pandemic because uh, PlayStation had released like the first four games for free. Geek boner. It's amazing. And I started playing the first one and I got to a hard part and I quit and I haven't gone back. So that's usually what happens. <laughs> Sounds like him, Yeah, that's usually always what happens. Like, I'm just going to go to YouTube and watch someone else beat yeah, it. I'll get back to it at some point. <laughs> but so I played it for a certain Jesus amount of Christ. hours. How long? How many hours would you guys say you have played the Uncharted, Anthony? I think I've only done the, the second and the third one. I haven't completed. How many are there? There's four, maybe five. 
I've sorry, I've done two. So however long it takes to make make an that's, or however long it takes for a normal person to complete the bur- the second and the third. It's easily a hundred plus hours, I would imagine. I don't think it's a hundred, no? okay. but it's, I mean it was a long time for yeah. sure. Rugs, I, hours. I only played a Thief's End, which was the uh, PlayStation Four version that was like fucking done soup to nuts, like all fucking like tons of money thrown into that game, and I fucking loved it. I like. I seriously didn't sleep for like a week trying to fucking beat that game. Well, Rugs, let's start with you. What'd you think of the trailer? Have they finally made the one good video game movie? I don't know about that. It could be a good movie, but I don't really... It doesn't ring as Uncharted to me. The funny thing is in The Thief's End, which is the game that I played, there is a flashback scene, and young Nathan Drake does look like Tom Holland. Oh, that's interesting. But he's like in in that scene, he's like 11 years old. (laughs) So like now we're getting and this motherfucker's 25. He's not going to age anymore. Like he's not going to shoot up. He's not going to, uh, you know, all of a sudden get facial hair and shit. Like maybe he will. But like he's always going to look like 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 Mike. Like what's it called? Um, The guy who plays Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox always looked like a little kid. Yeah, he's going to have that effect. He does look like a young, inexperienced kid in this trailer. But then that allows uh, them to make lots of franchise, lots of sequels and make a franchise. Like he could be playing this character. But he's never going to be like the Nathan Drake from the like the guy who can he can handle himself. Right. Like he has to beat people up. He has to shoot people. Like I don't buy that from this. uh, It looks like it's just Peter Parker. It's Tom Holland. It was miscast from the get-go. Like, even, like, Mark Wahlberg should have the fucking mustache, at least. He doesn't rock the mustache. Like, why? I get, I don't know. I feel like that they, they a lot of these movies, they, they, they're like, oh, we'll save this shit for later. But, like, if everybody shits on this, they're not going to make another one. Or maybe they will. I don't know. Who knows? They're younger <laughs> versions of the character. That airplane stunt at the end was crazy, and I believe that's like right from one of the games, right? Isn't yeah. That, yeah. So even though it's an un, un, unbelievable, and he's doing a fucking Spider-Man pose uh, for a moment at the end of this trailer. Anthony, uh, geek boner or floppy jock for this one? Uh, for now, floppy jock. Floppy I mean, I, jock. The, the movie could be good. I, I don't think Tom Holland's a bad actor. Um, Mark Wahlberg's been in some decent stuff, but... It's just terribly, at least visually, terribly miscast because we just know what these guys look like. And Nathan Drake is basically Hal Jordan, or, you know, and a guy that's probably in his like mid 30s. Nathan Fillion. T- Everybody wanted Nathan Fillion for this part. Uh, it doesn't need to be Nathan Fillion. But, but yeah, I mean, type. someone, it, it has to be someone that's like older. It can't be someone that looks like he's pushing <laughs> 17. Yes, like, he looks so young. And then Mark Wahlberg, yeah, should be Sully. Or not, not well, Mark Wahlberg is actually closer to what Nathan Drake would look like than the guy that's playing Nathan Drake. And yeah, and, and Sully's like an old man. Well, I believe like a weathered guy. Wahlberg wanted to be Nathan Drake at one point years ago. Like there's, he has some connection to this movie getting made. And so he gets to play Sully instead. So yes, it doesn't look like the guys from the video game. Now, if you've never played the video game, does this work on like this is this generation's Indiana Jones? Like this could go on. You want to see more? Does it even because some of the action looks good, but also it looks kind of uh, I don't know. I found the games fascinating because it had so much lore. Like a thief's end was about like him and his brother growing up, like getting into trouble, and then and and, and Sully kind of taking him under his wing and getting him into the world of like you know adventuring. And like, you know, spelunking and shit, right? Fine stuff. And 
the legends that were in it were like fun and it reminded me of Indiana Jones or fucking Goonies and shit were like one-eyed Willie and there's like a whole treasure thing. You know, it's always like always interesting. And then sometimes they would reveal like these other societies we don't know about and like lands undiscovered. So like, I'm all into that. I'm all about that shit. So uh, I'm down to check it out. It's just whether they deliver something that resembles Uncharted. It'll just be Indiana Jones Light or Dora the Explorer, like the right. same fucking shit. Dora the Explorer. Yeah, they made a movie of yeah. Dora the Explorer, and it was like a little Indiana Jones Light. It was like Tomb Raider Light. <laughs> I mean, the Tomb Raider, that's the thing. We've had Tomb Raider. We've had two versions of Tomb Raider, and it still didn't make it like really big. Like, can anything be the next Indiana Jones Aside from Indiana Jones, the next movie they're making, you five, got that's Indiana Jones. You got Romancing the Stone. You oh, got, that was great. Jewel of the Nile, Romancing the Stone. That was yeah. the two movies. Then you got um what, Goonies. The, this does kind of remind me of Goonies a little Goonies, when you see the gold and the ships. Tomb Raider, and then you have this. So like it's already been. It's an uh, something that we're we're familiar with. So, I mean, it's going to resemble all that shit no matter what you do. It's just that. We were hoping to get like something that was dead on and which isn't that hard, I guess, but they missed. Well, we'll see if I Tom mean, like, it could still be good. We'll see if Tom Holland can get him in the seats. February 11th, only at cinemas from Sony Uncharted listener. Let us know what you think. Join the conversation. You can follow us on the Twitters or the IGs or our Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. It's closed. It's exclusive just for our listeners, just for all of us. Uh, where you can check out fun things like this week, Lenny Romero, Lensations, who's a dope, talented artist, posted this amazing pencil drawing. He does, uh, he's a master of the pencil of Spawn. Uh, and it's pretty fucking amazing. Oh, shit. What did you guys think of this drawing? I'll put it up oh, in the podcast great. art for the listener. It's amazing. Yeah, I didn't even know that you were going to ask me about this. I didn't even know what this was. It's Spawn. So, I know that, but I didn't know, like, I was just like, there's a Spawn movie. I didn't re- even read the caption that this was Lenny's drawing. Draw- oh, it's awesome. Yeah, drawn by Lensations. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Lensations. And he's got an Etsy shop. You can buy prints of amazing kaiju artwork and a whole bunch of stuff. I like seeing his superhero stuff. Yeah, I like when he does other things outside of uh, the Zilla, you know? I like, I like when he does the Zilla, too. I like when he does the Zilla also. He's got great <laughs> Godzilla. Every version of Godzilla. Amazing illustrations. I like this little uh, Godzuki print he has going on here. And the prints are on his Etsy. very reasonable, very affordable. They look great framed. I just want to promote Lenny. I love Lenny. Oh, this Destroyer one's really nice. <laughs> Anyways, as Anthony browses <laughs> Lenny's Etsy. Let me take off my pants. Let's, oh, nice. boy. Jeez. Keep oh, them. How good are they, though? They're yeah, really good. Yeah, they're, they are yeah, really dude's good. gifted. Yeah, these are super detailed. Dude, it's pencil. It's all pencil. I don't know how he doesn't smudge the whole fucking thing. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. How does he do this? Yeah, he's got lots of control. He, he really concentrates. That's He's very dedicated. To while it. listening to us. So, Lenny, you're listening now. Keep drawing. He's drawing while he's listening to us. He I takes his time, goddamn. guarantee it. All right, moving on. Uh, more Tom Holland news. Of course, we can talk about Tom Holland. We got to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home coming out shortly. December 17th, uh, they had a big uh, Empire. It was on the cover of Empire Magazine's big interview, and there was some funny stills in the magazine that immediately got memed, and as well, they should have. Have you guys seen the memes of Spider-Man running away from Dr. Octopus? That was the still, and he's just like, whoa, oh no, run away! So do you have like a, a 
mashup of all of them? Or no, I don't. Have, have you seen any of them online? No, yeah, this is well, the first yeah, I've heard of it. Well, the, the one comparison I have the one screenshot in the notes is to when uh, the Raimi movie he was running away from the goblin, uh, and they were comparing it to that. But there was like a heated debate on. They were like, Toby and Andrew Garfield Spider Man wouldn't be running away from Doc Ock. Why is he running? Uh, I just thought it was funny. But, I mean, it is kind of a funny shot. He's just booking away from uh, Octopus. And, you know, in the Raimi movies, that's the first time he's Spider-Man. It makes sense he's running away from Goblin. This is like the ninth time this guy's been the Spider-Man of the MCU. He's still running away from things. I mean, he, he faced off against Thanos. Yeah, why are you running? <laughs> anyway. It's an old guy with fucking metal arms. You can do this in your sleep. And you got a fucking Tony Stark suit. I mean, now you're getting yeah. me fucking started on this shit. Yeah, I mean, you got a whole suit with fucking arms and gadgets and shit in kill mode. What are you running away Get from? Get the fuck out of here. Sure, he's that. got four arms. Whatever. Uh, the other thing I thought well, I wanted to bring up that uh, John Watts said in the, this interview, uh, he said, quote, we're definitely trying to be ambitious. It's Spider-Man Endgame. Oh, so shit. He's comparing Spider-Man No Way Home to, to Avengers Endgame, which I think is a little of a hmm. bit of a stretch. Well, I think what he's yeah, it's a little stretch, but I think what they're what they're getting at is I think this might be Spider Man's last appearance for a bit in the MCU. Oh, I think there's gonna be portals that open up and be like on your left, and then there's gonna be fucking <laughs> Spider Man two thousand ninety nine, fucking Andrew that, Garfield. They're gonna get know, that everybody. emotion of that moment without the ten years build up, but I okay, I see who you're getting. There has been a lot of talk as how uh Tom Holland said like they were treating this as the finale it's spider-man's big finale this third movie so yeah i don't i think he's leaving the mcu yeah i think i think sony they want to start using i think we need a guy with pubes toys yeah yes <laughs> just recast it with some time. yeah someone with pubes uh that'll be fine anyways look up the memes who are hilarious spider-man running uh, the next big movie coming out though for the mcu of course eternals november 5th a lot closer just like what's that two weeks away uh, I can't yeah. wait for this movie. The, uh, the movie premiered last mm-hmm. week. Uh, the review embargo has been lifted and uh, scores are in on the Rotten Tomatoes and the first reactions. And right now, out of 48 reviews, it is sitting at 75%. Oh, so now that's now that, that would make it certified fresh. Right? Uh, yes. Now, because it was barely certified fresh, I guess, was the big uh, 6.3 out of 10 average. It is. It's not 100% like every other Marvel movie that yeah, comes out. Well, that's the interesting thing. If you kind of, I kind of scanned some of the early reviews and it's it's mixed uh mixed opinions there you guys what do you guys think did you see any of this i saw some stuff on twitter that was negatory like i said it was boring but that was I, it uh, i saw some stuff so the early instant reactions everything was positive right i saw that and a lot of people were like this does not feel like a marvel movie this feels like chloe Zhao had a lot more influence on this story that's cool Campia really liked it, and his buddy. But then again, Campia liked Rob uh, Burnett. Shink, yeah, Campia likes uh, what's, what movie is that that no one really likes? It doesn't matter right now. He likes a, mo- a Marvel movie that no one really likes. So I don't always try. And he really likes Shang Chi, and I like Shang Chi, but he was saying like this is the best movie since Logan. Blah blah blah. So then I saw some other stuff. Only like just browsing some headlines, and people were like, "Yeah, this is a little like too kind of boring, a little." too ambitious in terms of different things. Um, so like you, Imran, the mixed reviews actually make me a little bit more excited for this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it seems like this is more of a, uh, 
maybe a polarizing film. And if that's the case, maybe, you know, either it's going to really hit with me or maybe it really won't. But at least I'll have a strong feeling either way on it. It's two and a half hours. There's two post-credit scenes. So they're going to be setting up a lot of things. And I have no, you know, I have no doubt visually it's going to be amazing with these wide open landscape shots. But yeah, it's very interesting. The comments of it's unlike any MCU film. But then some people are like, it's overstuffed. It's maybe too long. It's maybe too much. Uh, it looks like she's, they went for it. Uh, they released a bunch of featurettes, which are kind of fun, and it's kind of been satiating my appetite to see something new from Marvel and to, and to see the Eternals. And I realized, here's the thing she's got to set up. There's 10 of them. There's 10 of these motherfuckers oh, in the Eternals. You set up a movie with 10 main characters. One of the featurettes breaks it down. There's five thinker characters, five fighters. Um, uh, comments on that. Can they plausibly set up 10? Plus, that doesn't even count Black Knight. Kid Harrington as Black Knight and the, some other side characters. This may be why it's overstuffed. There's fucking 10 characters. If you have enough time, you can do anything. You know, if you have enough two and a half hours, is that what they said it is? Two and a half hours, can you really get to know all 10 characters equally? Or If it- you do it, if you're spending time with all of them on screen at the same time, yes. If you're telling individual stories and then trying to intertwine them, then it's going to be a rougher because... Like in Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy, right? They're all together for most of the movie. And so you have enough time with them on screen together to kind of have relationships happen, rapport back and forth, things that strengthen their relationships like they go through together. So you can have that if they're all kind of around each other uh, for a, a portion of the f- the screen time. So they're sharing it and not like you're not bisecting it all over the place. I mean, I think a little bit of difference is in that instance, we are meeting five characters as they're meeting each other. In this one, these 10 characters have known each other for thousands and thousands of years, but they have to reconnect. Anthony is 10 characters too much. You know, I mean, Marvel's pulled off plenty of movies with that's millions true. of characters, that's I mean, true. but this is the first time we're meeting these characters. Yeah. So it's a little different. From what I've gathered, and I think it probably wasn't in the featurette, it might have been, or maybe might have been IGN's review, but even though there's 10 characters, it's really focused on like three or four. I think Gemma Chan, Cersei, um, Cyclops, except not Cyclops, what's his name? Oh, Icarus, Richard Madden. Icarus, yeah. yeah. Um, And Angelina Jolie's character? I don't think she's actually what they they would consider her one of the mains. I forgot, like, there was like three or four characters, and then everyone else is in it. Kingu. Kumail Nanjani. No, he's definitely Damn it. Not. no. It's Sam Hayek is the big. Oh, one. that's uh, she. Yeah. yeah, she's the yeah Ajax. Ajax, right? And from what IGN said, that they said basically you'll come out of this film and every, like everyone will have a different favorite character. Oh, so. fun! Yeah, I mean, man, it looks amazing. And the craziest thing in this featurette, I wanted to ask you guys about this: the little kid compares. Oh, she's one of the main ones. They said that's in a lot of the movie. Who? Sprite. Sprite. Oh, Sprite, Sprite is. Oh. Uh, and uh, there and there's like a, a speedster. So now you got like your first like someone that looks like. Well, we've seen Quicksilver. She's deaf in real life. Yeah, that character, that uh, hearing impaired actress. She's also in I'm The Walking impaired. Dead. She's great on The Walking Dead. She's a fantastic actor. Uh, so I'm excited that she's in this. Uh, in the featurette, the kid compares uh, Richard Madden's Icarus to Superman and fucking name drop Superman. Oh, shit. Right in the MCU. Why is this a big deal? I don't know. Did anybody think that's weird? Like, Superman exists or the character of Superman in as a Spider-Man mythology 1, exists? Aunt May goes, you're doing too much. You're not like Superman, you know. Oh, she says that? 
That was yeah. Even, that was pre MCU. Yeah, so it's not like something new where Marvel movies will name drop Superman. I don't know. It's <laughs> fucking. It's pop culture. Like, what if it's they have Superman as a character in the newspapers or something or comics in their world? It doesn't have to mean that it exists in re- in the real life. They could have fake heroes that they were whatever. You know, when I first heard it, I did catch me like, oh, Superman. They're they're going. You know, they're they're name dropping DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did hear. In a review that they've actually name dropped DC heroes maybe a couple times. Yeah, I think there's a Batman uh, reference possibly that I heard. I'm I'm excited for the film yeah, to be honest, yeah. and and the negative reviews actually haven't dissuaded me off. Like you mentioned, or like I mentioned in in, in conjunction with you, it makes me actually more anticipatory of the movie. Right, because it's not all one glowing thing. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's because it, the last few, you know, last couple Marvel movies seems like every Marvel movie is like, oh, greatest thing ever. Blah, 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 blah. I don't yeah. trust critic reviews anyway. Yeah. for the most part, like there, I have like I very rarely like when John Campia started loving everything, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is clearly I, I got to watch this for myself and make up my own mind because I've heard a lot of this is a masterpiece. We're going to talk about one in this episode. Um, I mean, this movie's either going to be a mess or it's going to be like this epic uh, superhero. Or, or it could be something, or in, something between. in between. That's just good. Well, I'm curious to see how much of the Marvel formula it does actually use and how much they let her get away with. The, the thing that from Campia's review that made me like, oh, this might be different is him saying, like, I really don't know. He's like, I really don't know if Marvel fans will like this movie. He's like it. It's just it just seems different. Doesn't seem like it's See, created out of the same I, that, plot. I, that as gets those me. Other that gets me really see, intrigued. That's kind of what I want. Let's see that. Is this the thing I've heard a lot of people say? It's like this is not a movie. It's a film. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is do it you think cinema, you are? Scorsese. Will Scorsese consider this cinema? Is that what you're saying? Like it is still a product to sell action figures. So no, it's still a movie, but it's. And it's still based on IP that that's owned by a huge corporation. So I guess it's still a movie. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you're not making fucking, um, fucking uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know? Oh, God. It's wrong with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm we just saying, it. it's like, fantastic. I'm just saying that that's like a movie that no one would make except for the person who wanted to make it. And then, yeah. then it becomes a film. At that point, we will see November fifth. I already bought my tickets for the Thursday, November fourth. Yep, I'm I'm going Thursday as well. I'm down, so uh, can't wait. All right, let's move on to uh, Miss Marvel. Why? Because Ooh, that's you. I miss Marvel. Absolutely, I miss Marvel. That's such a f- old callback. <laughs> I wonder if people like still understand. But Imran Galani. <laughs> Well, the Imran first Vanilla. time I said that, it was like <laughs> I was Vanilla. I was excited about Miss Marvel because I was like, she's. Pakistani. You're reading the comic yes, book saying Yes, that. I was like, she's a Pakistani immigrant uh, that goes to school and she's a teenager who has powers. I was like, that was me. That's what I wanted to be. But, but you've <laughs> kind of moved. Like, you still like her, but you're like all over Camille Ninjani's nuts Oh, now. dude, I want to be jacked like Camille. I can't wait to see how jacked he is in this movie. I'm just going to be <laughs> fucking <laughs> drooling. Uh, yeah. I stick it up my asshole. That's what's going to happen when I see Uh, Anyways, Miss Marvel show that is coming sometime in 2022. We still don't have a date. But the big question we've discussed is how are they going to show her powers? How are they going to explain her powers? As if you don't know in the comic books, she is inhuman, uh, you know, hit with the Terrigen Mist and the inhuman genes came alive. 
and her powers are weird. They're stretchy, like Mr. Fantastic, but also she can make her fist really big. If you've played the video game, recent Marvel's video game, they did a pretty good job of using making her like the comic book powers. But we were wondering, is that going to translate on screen for a TV show? Well, there's a piece of a promo art here that kind of gives you a hint of how they're going to deal with this. And it's going to be, and I'll put this in the podcast art so you can see the listener. It's going to be like a Green Lantern construct thing. You guys seen this? How would you describe yeah, the purple what's, lantern. what's going on here? There's a, a, a translucent big fist over her fist, kind of a projection. Yeah. Yeah, she's. It looks like it's made out of glass or something. It does look like it's made out of glass. What? What is the? Why does it look like that? Just cause. because it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a some sort of construct that she creates through some. Because stretchy powers are kind of lame, and they did it with with uh, in the Incredibles, like to death. Instead of inflating the- her hand, it's gonna look silly, right? It, it, her hand inflates. I think she's gonna be wearing like bracelets or something that will give her. It's the bracelet that she has on. Yes, that gives her her. There was power. a name for this, and I can't remember what it is. Oh, it's the bracelet. Uh, well, what do you think of this change, Anthony? Would you, do you want to see big, stretchy, inflatable fist? I mean, yeah, we've talked about this. It it, it is kind of like very zany to have those kind of powers, like a big a big fist out of nowhere and a um, stretchy powers. So it's it's a relatively new character right it's only been around she's only been around what 10 years yeah, less than yeah, that yeah probably yeah so yeah play with it a little bit i i think it would be tougher it's also it's it's if this was a movie i think they could they could have the budget to do it but since she's starting out in a tv yeah, show sure although marvel spends a ton of money on their shows i don't think they have enough money to have her stretching and and throwing gigantic fists all the time through every episode so i think they had to scale it back a little uh they're apparently maybe powered by something called a nega bands which is Whoa. like alien tech which is exactly like green lantern finds the alien ring and gets a thing well someone has a someone has a bands in the marvel universe what's his name quasar quasar oh, yep. quasar bands the quantum bands yeah so there you that go that could be part of it oh shit yeah. all right well and isn't he what is his character He's some sort of crazy cosmic being. Those books I never read because it was all cosmic shit in Marvel. Quasar was like Marvel boy. Like they, he was like, uh, yeah, he had the quantum bands. Wendell and, Vaughn. Um, yeah, and he had something to do with Nova Corps too, or something. I think I don't the know. Being of pure quantum energy. Yeah, there you it's go. A, so that's just some bullshit. Like, yeah. it's all like cosmic energy, quantum energy. Yeah, there's all different kinds of energy. Yeah. And this dark the same shit. And he has quantum bands. Yes. All right. Well, maybe we'll see him. Maybe that's how to tie it in. I can't wait for this show. There's no release date. Uh, listener, check out our T Public shop. While you're checking out, you know, Lensations Etsy shop, head on over to jockandnerd.com slash shop. Pair one of his prints with a Jock and Nerd t shirt or hoodie or face mask or mug. All that fun shit is there. Help us promote the show to people we don't know by wearing a niche podcast shirt. Check it out right now. Okay, and we'll wrap up the news with some quick casting news. Stuff that came out today and last week that I thought was interesting. Let's start with some Star Wars casting news. You know, they're making that uh, Obi-Wan show uh, with Ewan McGregor that takes place in the between the, the first three movies. And I believe Hayden Christensen's going to be in that as uh, Anakin, right? Yeah. Oh, he's in it. He's in it. Okay. He is also going to be... Uh, in the Ahsoka show, 
Yeah. And what's weird about that is this show takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, after he has been killed and dead for five years. So hmm. is this going to be flashbacks, force ghost appearances of... It's got to be flashbacks and possibly a force ghost that she talks to. Flashbacks would be cool of him and his prime, like, fighting Ahsoka. Right. I don't know. That's weird. I right? thought... Yeah. Wow. Maybe he's just going to be in the suit and not, and not like, you're not going to see him. And, the, you know, the bigger question is, are we ready for this much Hayden Christensen to return? To see this much <sighs> Hayden Christensen Anakin again? <laughs> like... To be honest with you, I don't think that I'm hoping that he doesn't fucking suck. Like, I really think he I would love for him to redeem himself. But you want to know something that's OK. You have one thing that is on Hayden's side. Yeah. And that is that George Lucas is not directing. OK, and maybe so if you yeah, have a good director. Yeah. Maybe he can. Yeah, you're. let's do it this way. Have a good like person there to make good choices it's a good point lucas is bad at directing his talent they just he doesn't really know how to help i think that like if he's an actor like he knows what the craft is like remembering his lines and emoting it's just maybe getting the right take and doing enough takes so we can get to the right take i don't think lucas is like he's like that's fine let's keep going you know, he's yeah. like, we're well, wasting he money. Care. He's like, you said I, the lunch line, is coming up, go. you know, yes. let's go. Yeah. Like they can't, those are independent movies back in the All day. All right. Now I want you to say, woohoo, <laughs> do it. All right. <laughs> Cut. Perfect. Anthony, Perfect. any comment on this? No. Okay. Well, you probably haven't any comment on this one either. Uh, Andy Serkis, mocap master, and uh, Alfred in the Batman, Matt the Batman, will be joining the Andor series. Now, Andy Serkis also did the voice of Snoke in the fucking uh, tr- trilogy oh, there, the shit. sequel trilogy. Whoa. So is he coming back to play really young Snoke? Because this show takes place before A New Hope, before Rogue One, about uh, Cassian Andor. Comment, Rugs. Oh, I don't fucking care about this show at all. <laughs> I don't Andy Serkis being in it as Snoke. That gets killed in two seconds uh, makes me not even care even more. Like, why would you do that? Like, if if Snoke got killed, but he did some badass shit first, he then I'm like, oh, I'm all into like, let me find out who the Snoke is. But they have not established Snoke to do anything other than die sitting in a gold fucking robe, and that's it. Sliced in half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Here, <laughs> how about this one? Here's some more casting news: the Batgirl movie starring Leslie Grace has a villain. The villain will be played by Brendan Fraser. And who is the villain? Well, there's two theories. They haven't announced to, uh, what, who the villain is, but uh, it's either, I saw two things, Carmine Falcone or Firefly, which are two very different characters. I don't see Fraser as Falcone, but if he does pull that off, that would be great for him. You got John Turturro playing Falcone and Matt Reeves the Batman. I could kind of see him as a, he's, you know, he's, he's gotten big. So I could see him as a mob boss. He's fantastic on Doom Patrol as the voice of a robot dude. Brendan Fraser as Falcone? Or Firefly, though? Like Maybe Firefly. Firefly is a weird villain. Yeah, wears a complete suit. It's got just a blowtorch and a thing. I would say Firefly. I don't know about Falcone. Brendan Fraser used to be fucking ripped, dude. Yeah, he's not someone. He looks a lot more he like... He cock diesel in Georgia the Jungle. Yeah. You look at that. He, I would wish I could look like that. 
He but looks I, a little more like the Marlon Brando. Well, he's just well, he's just a guy that Marlon aged. Brando. You know, yeah. it's in the, that yeah. kind of shape is impossible to keep up. That's so true. I'm not shaming him for that, but I'm just saying, like, he doesn't come off as a Falcone to me. And Firefly, okay, maybe I don't know, but like, it's just weird. All right, finally, the uh, John Wick prequel TV show called Continental has uh, gotten a big cast, but leading this cast, everyone, Mel Gibson oh, yeah. has now starred to get a star in the John Wick Continental prequel series, uh, which is crazy. Uh, the show is going to be about young Winston Scott, the guy uh, we met as, uh, who played him? The guy from uh, Deadwood. The guy who runs the Continental, young Winston Scott, 1975, New York City. Let me ask you a question about Mel Gibson. How does uh, what are the rules of cancel culture exactly here? Because on the one hand, Netflix had a huge protest last week. Dave Chappelle, they're trying to cancel him. On the other hand, Mel Gibson is still fucking making shit. Oh, shit. well, he just made fun of Jews, which I guess you can do and never Mel, get in Mel, trouble. But Mel so. Gibson, who I, and who had, he said he said some kind of racial slurs against black people. I think. Listen, you, it's public record. You can listen to conversations on YouTube of him being anti-Semitic, misogynistic, racist, and a bunch of other things. When did he do that? Oh, this was many years ago is the thing. He's in the middle of divorcing his wife and he got pulled over when he was drunk. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, you can look these up. They're still everywhere on the internet. He wasn't doing a special. (laughs) No, that's true. I'm just saying, one way this guy... I don't know. He was in his private life. He was getting arrested and drunk and being an absolute asshole, but not that that excuses it, but it's different when you actually... Like, Dave Chappelle was like, this is my special. He thought about it. He's went and said it. And, you know, they're getting mad at him for saying whatever he said. But the point is, is that it's a little different when you're, I don't know, for me, anyway, I was like, oh, he went on, like, the news and, like, doubled down on everything. Then I'd be like, okay, well, he he's really fucking himself over. <laughs> but. Well, I think he, I mean, he said it. I'm looking it up. He said it. A long, not a long time ago, but over ten years ago, two thousand six. That was like, and and it was found out live. Like people found out about it when it happened shortly after, right? Right, right. So, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. That wasn't really the beginning of cancel culture. But he right. did his time. He got like no one would hire yeah. him. He was a pariah. Yeah, he definitely was a pariah. My my point being, like, if we found out now, either if this happened now, or we found out. Like these videos, these tapes came out like now. Then he'd be done. Then he'd be like, yeah. Then he'd be in deep doo doo. But because he's already Richards, yeah, Yeah. because he's done his time. It happened ten years ago. You know, Whoopi Goldberg and Jodie Foster both defended him. Hollywood is strangely forgiving sometimes when time passes. Just Google Mel Gibson rants on YouTube, listener. It's amazing if you've never. I've heard them all. Holy shit! I'm not. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying how how he could have gotten out of it. My uncle say the same shit. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, you know. shit. He's so, also made some good movies since. So. He has. And like <laughs> some of the stuff. And he's a good like his performances are good. He's played some memorable characters. Well, he's directed some good movies. He's directed some good movies. And now he's going to be in the well, Continental. One good movie, I, you know, I don't think he's ever done a U.S. TV show. So that's this is kind of notable for his first TV TV series for stars. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the Continental because I love that world. I want to know more about it. You know, so, you know the thing is, yeah, I just thought it was is, funny. He's actually done some things since. So, although 
Has he redeemed himself completely? I want. I'm not. Probably I'm not. I'm not. I mean, gonna, he was in a movie with Frank Grillo for crying out loud. He was evil Santa. He was in the Expendables movie. Yeah. So you know he's, he's been, been in, stuff. in stuff. Yeah. He's, so kind of honestly, the question Imran's a little, a little dated. Yeah, I guess it is. He's already done. Well, it's things. just that now he's gone through the cycle. Yeah. It feels like okay, this guy should be canceled forever, right? But like, that's what you would I think. But no, it you goes think, away. But People the, forget. But it's the, it's the mm. timing of when it happened. Yeah. It just was a different time. Everyone's already been pissed off about that. People were pissed off about that 10 years ago. So that's the rules. Just wait five minutes and it'll blow over. And the next thing will happen. That's your hope. But did he kill a guy? No, no. I don't think so. (laughs) In a Walmart? In a Walmart? Did he kill a guy? Who did that? The baby. The baby. Is that real? Yeah. Well, he did. I think he did kill a guy in self-defense. Oh, gotcha. That was from the someone da- was, that was, someone from the was after him. close there. Yeah, he opens a, that the baby joke, which is funny. But I think there's some oh, yeah, nuance to that. Yeah. He he was in, it was in self defense. That oh, was his man. Claim. Should not be caught. Got shot by somebody named the baby. That's even I don't know what's sadder. Well, the baby. But the funny. Thing, <laughs> never mind. I'm not even going to get into the baby. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Burns got shot by the baby on The Simpsons. That's how fucking silly this is. Well, the baby went off and said some crazy shit too. That that, that was oh, wasn't that Chappelle's point that yes. he. he he could kill somebody, but he says some crazy shit about uh, yeah, LGBTQ. Now, he, yeah. now he's done. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Jesus. It all yeah. depends. Like, look at this thing with Alec Baldwin. Yeah, like, we'll get to that he, uh, oh, okay. later. Save right, your thoughts. Yes, it's uh, John Bellotti posts something with some you know clarity, and he he has some insight. But we'll talk about that later. But right now, we're gonna take a break, play some promos, and come back and talk about lots of sand and dust and review Dune right after this. Transmission commencing. This is Wookie Radio. Translated for the Wookie Affair. I like that Wookie. Your hosts, Ken, Derek, and Mike, bring you the latest news and commentary from the far reaches of the galaxy. Uh, hold it. Hold it. I said hold it. Subscribe today on iTunes and Stitcher. I just assumed he's a Wookie. Start listening today. And remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hi guys, we're Mary and Vanessa, the hosts of True Crime Dropouts. Join two best friends and former criminal justice majors as they pretend to know all things true crime. So sit down, grab a broom, drive, we really don't care, and give us a listen. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere really. And don't forget, stay in school, or you'll end up like us, degree-less without that fabulous FBI job. Listener, if you enjoy the show, you should join our fan club. Head on over to jockandnerd.com slash Patreon, where you get uh, lots of bonus stuff when you support the show at, at various tiers. There's an exclusive podcast RSS feed that has bonus content. The shows come out a little bit early there. You can hear it before everybody else. Uh, bonus content this week. There was tons. There was all of our instant reactions to Dunes. The Dune. Sorry. I'm just, the movie's called Dune. Dune, yeah. It's I'm going to stop saying the Dunes. It's a very singular. It's a very Midwestern thing where you just add the and an S to things. I don't know why I do that. Uh, and Jock Talk is back, Anthony. Yes. Me and young Chasworth. Our back Their bottom after, is, is very weak. Yeah, he decided he wanted to do a jock talk, so he hit me up. And then 
about halfway through the show, he's like, I got a kid. I can't do this anymore. Oh, so. no. <laughs> I got a bounce. That's about it. Hey, Riggy. It's only like a half hour. Very easy listen. Listen, we got sports content. If you want actual sports content, it's on our Patreon. It's the jock side of things. This is only the nerds. I've yeah, taken re- over. The, the, real, the show is really just the nerd show. Yeah, because I do everything, so I just took yeah, over. Yeah, that's Whatever. fine. Whatever. That's fine. Right. I don't want to do anybody, any work. Yeah, anybody, anyways. whenever you want to step up, feel free. Uh, anyways, you also get... Ben- There's no glory in this. <laughs> <laughs> you get uh, di- uh, uh, Discord benefits. You get access to a private Discord server when you sign up at our Patreon fan club. And what do you do at this server? We what do is that what happens? Monthly, is there porn there? No. Well, it depends. <laughs> if, if you give me enough money, you might see my uh, man boobs. <laughs> yeah, we at the Discord, we were discussing what it would take to get you to turn take off your shirt on the next Discord. Oh, it will take lots of coin. Uh, so we just find ha- a Discord. You just you sign up. You go to Discord, and there's like kind of, it's kind of like a, uh, a hangout, like almost like a Zoom call, whatever you want to call it, where everybody can just we could you know you could just bullshit with us and uh, ask us questions, really hear us talk. You can just sit there and shut the fuck up. Yeah, if you've never yeah. done a Discord, it's exactly it's like a Zoom call. I'm on video. Nobody else has to be, but we all hang out and geek out and talk and comment live on videos. Uh, like it was fun. I thought you guys it was a lot of fun. We watched the uh, Uncharted trailer live reaction all yeah. together. We watched a lot of different things and got live reactions. Anthony, what did you think? I love these. I look forward to them now as the months are going by. Well, the best part was having uh, Cheech Moran giving his speech about different kinds of pussy. Oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> from Dawn of the Dead, from, right? Oh, great clip from that, uh, is no, it Dawn of da- the Dead? Dusk till dawn. Dusk till dawn. I can't yes. see your um, expression when this happens, but. I wish that your camera was on while I was playing and see your facial expression. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. Uh, we do it monthly. Hang out. This next one is November, Thursday, November 18th. Sign up. $5 a month and why above. Why don't we just push it the week back and go with Thanksgiving? No, that's why I did it on Thursday, you <laughs> motherfucker. Oh, right. This is how I schedule. And then the next one's going to be five. No, another four weeks right before Christmas. And then they'll be back to like the last Thursday. I'm trying to avoid the holidays. Of course. I want to. Step on anybody's things there. Uh, but a lot of fun stuff at the Patreon, jockandair.com slash Patreon. Sign up today. Let's get to our review this week. It is the epic sand film from Dinis Villeneuve titled Dune. Here are your spoilers. Strap yourself in, you fucks. Time. There's a little bit of delay there, so I was just going to do it. No, I think he nailed the timing because I couldn't find the button because all the buttons got moved around somehow. I don't know where anything is said anymore. Or maybe your fingers are just so fat. That my you're just fing- the wrong no, I've been working out my fingers. You look like oh, Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> oh, boy. That's what that's my goal body. He's my goal body, Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> Anyways, Dune, this movie based on a novel, Dune by Frank Herbert from way back in 1965. Uh, Frank Herbert wrote five sequels to this story so there's plenty of dune story uh to be made and then his well, son, they didn't even finish the first story they didn't even finish the first story so there's plenty <laughs> Spoiler of alert. Dune. yes so no, we already spoiled it uh plenty of dune to come probably if uh things go their way uh his son uh after his death went on to write even more novels and prequels uh this movie originally was scheduled to release november 20th 2020 but then you know what happened everybody knows i'm not gonna say it uh, push back to December 2020, <laughs> then October 1st, 2021. Finally, it premieres September 3rd. It's, it got released internationally September 15th, like uh, over a month before it gets released in the States on October 22nd. Unfortunately, by that time, the film had already leaked online October 17th. Oh, shit. Apparently, it was a big leak of this movie. Hmm. 
because uh, also this movie was day and date HBO Max and theatrical release. Uh, and in terms of provenance of this movie, it's been attempted before. Uh, they've been trying to make this movie since 1971. The rights have been up for grabs. David Lynch made a movie in 1984, and there's a live action miniseries. Has anyone, has anyone seen that movie? Yeah, I've seen it. Was it good? No, I mean it was. Oh my god, to judge it by today's it's standards, infamously it's bad. From te- what I understand, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Like there's, there's, it's got its charms. Hmm, okay. it, well, that one he shoves the whole book into like two hours, which also has you know that's no. I be... think it's like almost three hours, and there's always okay. a, there's a cut that's four hours. Oh yeah. shit! So yeah, he's trying to squeeze all of it into one movie, and then a live action miniseries taking its time to tell the story, made in two thousand. Hmm. And I believe Rugs, did you watch any of that? It's yeah, I've watched it a couple times, and um, I the sets are so bad. Bad green screening in that one too, I believe. I don't think it's green screen. I think they just have matte paintings. Oh, <laughs> like oh. you know, like how Toho would like get this huge matte painting of like of like Mount Fuji, and then Godzilla would come in front of it. You know, yeah, and that's what they did for the sets oh, oh, there. Boy. They just had these gigantic. Well, look, it's sci-fi in two thousand. There's no money there. There's nobody was uh, yeah, putting like, their money into that. And like the computer graphics look like they're out of like playstation one i mean this and, the, uh, the network that brought you sharknado but you, you want to know something the acting's pretty good okay okay and if you're just you could if you just look at it like a stage play it's actually tells you the story of doom oh uh, okay okay i can see that uh this one 2021's dune on rotten tomatoes is 83 percent tomato meter 7.6 out of 10 average rating this one from legendary and warner brothers uh, and box office wise, so this is where all the important numbers come because they got to make a second part. So is this enough? The budget of this movie one hundred and sixty five million dollars, and then you gotta you gotta guess another hundred million for fucking marketing at least. The right. movie does open at number one opening weekend, forty one million dollars. All right. Now, it's been out, like I said, a month before it came here. Internationally, this thing has already made $223 million. This $41 million, why it doesn't sound impressive exactly, it kind of is. It is the highest domestic opening of Denis Villeneuve's career, and it is also the best opening Warner Brothers has had this year since they announced their movies going to HBO Max and theaters at the same time. Also, keep in mind the industry was predicting 30, 35. Yes, so, it came not, above. Not a huge amount above, but still above. And yeah, as you mentioned, day and date release. So, so I think- and we have to, and you have to, you know, HBO is probably, Warner Brothers HBO is probably measuring how many people are watching it on HBO Max as well, how many subscribers they might have gotten. So, we'll see. Yeah, this thing, you know, it's going to have. Seems like it's doing okay. It seems like it's doing okay. And the big thing is going to have to make up a lot in subscribers. There is some viewing data from that firm, Samba TV, which we've talked about before. They provide streaming numbers. Uh, They're saying Dune was viewed on HBO Max by 1.9 million households from Thursday to Sunday. Wow. That's a lot of people. Which is higher than uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League and In the Heights. Yes. Higher than Zack Snyder's Justice League. Just by a little bit. Uh, Justice League was 1.8 million. Uh, the Suicide Squad, 2.8 million people watched that right away. So it didn't beat mm. Suicide Squad. Dune come 1.9 at a respectable. So these are respectable numbers for this huge That's epic good. thing, I yeah, think. it sounds yes. like it's doing okay. Yeah. It's good. Uh, and then finally, creatively, the movie, of course, 
directed by Denny Villeneuve and written by Denny Villeneuve and John Spates and Eric Roth, starring Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Stellan Skarsgård, Josh Brolin, uh, Javier Bardem, Chen Chang, Dave Bautista, Sharon Duncan Brewster, and my vitiligo brother from another mother, David Desmalchian. The minute I saw him, I was like, oh shit, I didn't know Desmalchian was in this fucking movie. He is. Because any pasty role they have, they give it to the vitiligo guy. You know, it's not fair, but you get typecast. Charlotte Rampling uh, and a couple other people. Stephen McKinley Henderson. Great fucking cast. I mean, those are banger names right there. Anthony, as you mentioned, as we just discussed when the movie opens, it says Dune Part 1. And this is something that you do not see in any of the promotional material. Uh, I thought that was weird. Oh, here's the other thing we should uh, put on the table. What did you know about Dune before watching this, Anthony? Only got what you guys kind of told me prior, um, that this was basically the inspiration for Star Wars and a lot of the sci-fi we had seen and that this was based off books. Um, other than that, Rugboy may have mentioned a couple things here or there. I might have heard of them at the time, but they never registered with me. So I went into this, and I, I think I talked about this on the... I've mentioned this before. Thank you, Emron, for the, getting us the getting the show some early tickets, because I saw this oh, you eight said that days early, ago. Yeah, the early Eight premiere. days before it debuted. Yep. So I went in almost pretty much completely blind, but that was by choice. I wanted to kind of be wrapped up in something I didn't know about and kind of learn about a new franchise potentially so i would i wouldn't uh i didn't have much going in okay i'm the same i really the most i know all about dune is from fucking rug boy honestly rugs like you're probably you told us the most i remembered all the dune conversations i knew that it was like just like you anthony a heavy inspiration for everything i didn't realize how much of an inspiration it was on star wars we'll get into that so i kind of walked in knowing nothing uh, and I kind of enjoyed that. And I also, I watched it at home on HBO Max. Uh, it took me two nights because I started it after the Discord. And then I took a break after the first hour and a half, watched the rest of it the next night. And it was great. Um, Rugs, what did you know about Dune and how did you watch it? Well, I watched the movie when I was a kid, the David Lynch one. And it was fucking so weird and crazy. <laughs> yeah. I remember Sting was in it. And yeah. I wanted to see yeah, Sting. Sting is in it. Yes. And... uh it was it, it was like a very dark Star Wars. It was like a Star Wars for like adults. The thing about Dune, it was it had like body horror and all this weird shit in there, and it was just crazy. It wasn't as action oriented as Star Wars. It was more about politics and fighting for power, and it was like an allegory for oil and all that stuff. I didn't get that as a kid. I was like, this shit is kind of boring, but you know. I, the costumes were cool and it was just a lot of there's a lot of like makeup and effects and stuff, but like not a lot of action. So you never read the book, though. I tried to read the book, but it is so dense that like, I, you know, and I have a problem with reading. So like I, I couldn't stick with it. Read. <laughs> I can read comics. That's easy. It's, uh, the first print of this is 412 pages. This book. So it's, a, bi- it's a big book. Yeah. It's a big book. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just dense and it's just the way everything is described and it just moves at this. There's so much like detailed explanations of everything. Like Frank Herbert, like really fucking researched his shit and like pulled all this stuff. But so there's a lot of like description and 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 the way that they talk is even different than like they, they for this movie, they had to like dumb it down a little bit or, or like make it more common speak. 
so people can, you know, because I think there was like even some poetry or some rhyming in in, in certain spots. Mm. So um, if I remember correctly, um, but um, anyhow, I couldn't stick with the book. And then luckily, my saving grace was the sci-fi series that came out in 2000. And though the sets were bad and super low budget and some of the fucking outfits are wild and crazy and the graphics suck. Um, the acting, for the most part, is decent enough. It's like Babylon 5 or like Star Trek The Next Generation type acting. You know, it's like it's still good enough to follow. That's the first time I really grasped like what Dune is. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, if they're going to make a real movie of this, this is going to be fucking awesome. And uh, I couldn't wait. And I heard that... um. That Jodorowsky was supposed to do it. Yeah, there's. Yeah, we'll talk about. There's a documentary and, um, about his unmade film. And he got Mobius, the artist. Oh. Um, um, I think his name was John George or something like that. I don't remember. I can't remember what his real name is, but like he's this really great artist that did the Inkal and uh, a French artist. And he did all of these designs for fucking Dune and they were fucking outrageously cool. And I was like, awesome. And even in the sci fi version, they tried to do some of this shit. Like, um, he Mobius is known for doing like these really tall, crazy hats. Like the closest thing I could think of to Mobius is like the fifth, uh, the fifth element. Yeah, that movie where yeah. like everything's just wildly, crazily designed by uh, fucking by Jean Paul Gaultier. Like, yeah. so anyhow, I was like, oh, this movie's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be full of like all of this fucking stuff. So I couldn't wait for this movie to come out. You watched it on HBO Max then. I was going to go see it in the theater, but I was like, fuck it. It's too long, and I'm going to have to pee, and I'm going to miss parts of it, and I got to – let me just watch it at home. Okay. What is Dune? Anthony, what happens in this part one? Oh, man. Dune is this movie that is set way in the future. I think it's like around 10,000 or so. At this point, inter, interstellar travel is possible, and humans are mining different worlds, and all these line, different things, and there's different houses that are running different things, and there's an emperor that kind of controls these houses and tells them what to do, and there's this planet called Ar- Arachnus, right? Arrakis. Arrakis, that has a ton of spice, and this spice is basically like oil. It, it allows interstellar travel and lots of other things, I guess. It's also like heroin. Yeah, it does a lot of shit. Yeah. It's, it's it's good and bad. It it basically runs the world and um House Atreides, which is where uh Timothy Chalamet's character is part of, is now been tasked to run this planet and basically keep everything going to much to the chagrin of House Harkonnen who had been running that um planet, I believe. Right. And they had been in a ton of conflict with the locals over there called the Furmen. So they're basically sticking a new house there to run the most important co- commodity, the, run the mining of the most important commodity in the universe. And there's a lot of people that are obviously against them. And there's a big web of people playing each other and politics and backstabbing and stuff like that. And, and there's a Jesus like character. And there's in a it, cult so. of witches. Yeah. And there's a bunch of crazy shit. So it's, many a of, it's, a it's a very, they, they, uh, don't, they don't even touch on really. It's a very uh, much darker and gothic. There's and sand people. 
Yep, that's the Furman Imran. Yep, oh, I said, you said that. Furman. Okay, well, okay, well, <laughs> it's just a crate. There's a lot to back in. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, in this and despite the thing. fact that you had to lean back in the front row and watch this movie at a second row, second, second row, row at a way yeah. too close distance, what did you think overall when the movie was over? Oh man, right when it was over, I looked at my friend who's a big a movie guy as well. His name's Justin, uh, and preface i even though i didn't know much about this movie i was actually like really excited to walk in and like discover a new franchise and the oscar part of me i think was also really excited because i've heard a lot of good oscar buzz around this leading up to the movie about different parts of the movie different technical categories and potentially you know best pictures types type stuff so also throw in denny villeneuve and uh i was excited um my first initial reaction was did I even like that? <laughs> oh shit! Oh, I, I was just kind of like glazed over. Yeah. I was like, "What did I watch?" I didn't. It didn't connect with me in a way that I, like there was never a point in the film where I was like, "Man, I'm really now invested in what's going on." Um, and then upon like further thought, I did some research. I did some just kind of thinking about the movie and I, I'm still uh, I'm I'm on the I'm on the side where it's like very well made very like the the some of the 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 shots are beautiful some of the um creations are are amazing the the score is pretty intense at times uh it has a great cast on paper but for me personally i just never felt any sort of connect like i don't feel like it hit me i, I just didn't mm. um, didn't connect with paul i didn't connect with paul i didn't connect i that's one of my main criticisms i just didn't connect with any of the characters paul on screen geez. Okay, yeah, so that's important. Yeah, that's my uh, my an opening thoughts is very well made film in terms of technical expertise, um, but story never grabbed okay, me. Okay, okay, rugs, you know the source material. Did they pull off the unfilmable book? I think what they did was they hacked it to bits, and. There's so much like the books and the whole story and the lore is so rich with things that are so interesting. And they just kind of gloss over everything to get to the story of like Game of Thrones. All right. Now, I think what happened was Dennis thought that Game of Thrones was popular and it was definitely influenced by Dune. So I'll just do the I'll just take what was popular in Game of Thrones and put it in in the Dune environment, you know, let it, let that part play out and then just throw away all the other stuff that's interesting. And kind of like Game of Thrones, like where the dragons are like an afterthought and all that other stuff. Mm. All the lore is kind of like woven in, but we just, it's about the character drama and you can do that, but then it's just like every other fucking movie. It's like a period, it's like a British period piece movie almost. So like, what's great about like the Bene Gesserit, you don't know anything about. Like, you don't even know that they need the spice to keep their power and to keep their longevity to live long, you know? And that one of the things that the spice does is it makes people be able to extend their age and allow rulers to rule for a long time mm-hmm. and have these dynasties. And then they didn't even get into, like, the guild, the space guild. They had, like, one scene. The space guild is, like, what controls everything. And they're in cahoots with with Arrakis to get the spice because they they – in order to travel, they got rid of all robots because there was this big war. It was a jihad. It's called the, the Butler Jihad. And uh, and um, where the robots rebelled and they outlawed all AI. So in order 
to like the matrix. Yeah. So they got rid of all robots that has AI. So they, all they have is like these analog machines and they made this drive that could propel ships through space time, but there was no way there was no AI to kind of direct it around other obstacles. So they, what they did was they took the spice, which can allow you to change like bio the, the bio structure of things and made these things that were like these giant floating brains that could do they're human, but they, with the spice infused, they could do these calculations like a computer. Mm. And then there was these men called the Mentats, that guy with the eyes who rolled back in his head. Right. That's a Mentat. The guy, they, he's the basically small a walking was a computer. Mentat too, right? Yeah. So all of these guys are all, they, you had no idea about that. You had no idea about any, like a lot of this cool stuff, you, you just, they just glazed over it for the story. Do you think it was possible to include all of that stuff? Why not? I mean, look, there's there's shots of Zendaya for like 20 minutes. There they could have cut all that out. <laughs> there is a lot of lingering shots of shit. I, I, I yes. will agree with that. There's a lot of lingering, not only of Zendaya, but a lot of like slow-mo shots of Timothy Chalamet looking over his shoulder. With his hair all like, blown in the wind. In the sand. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. yeah was, that was one of my criticisms. <laughs> I mean, look, you could literally take all of those overdrawn shots and probably put in maybe five minutes. I just described that whole story in five minutes, right, right? right? I mean, there's a lot of exposition in the beginning. Look, overall, I thought, not knowing anything, I I kind of dug it. I got into the world. I enjoyed There were teases. And knowing it's just part one, uh, you could clearly see that his his challenge is to balance how much exposition can I put in here versus keeping it moving versus putting some action. I thought he did a good job of balancing action scenes with the slower scenes. But... Uh, there are times where he is showing you things instead of telling you things, which I appreciated. And there's also heavy exposition times. But, man, that is a lot to put in. Could it have been done? Yes, you could have cut some of the fucking lingering shots. But that also adds a great, like, moody feeling to the film. And, yes, what you said earlier is that, right, essentially, it's a humorless Star Wars. It's Star Wars. George Lucas took this. He just added jokes and toys and kind of made it more fun made it more fun and more like pop culture made it made him into sword uh, lightsabers you know but at the same time i kind of enjoyed this uh this world and i i got i like some of the tech the personal shields i got a lot of clues from inferences and and context like they made the baron more like menacing yeah he was very menacing that dude which one's the baron the the, the naked guy that's yeah yeah. Yeah. well the yeah in in dune like he's more flamboyant he's kind of like I don't know. They allude to him kind of like being a deviant in a lot of ways. And uh, he has two nephews. He's got one big brawly dumb nephew. Yeah, he's just chopping And he's heads. got like a very beautiful, oh. like chiseled nephew that's like the perfect, perfect, smart, whatever. Okay. He's like his successor. Everybody died except for him, though. And well, I guess there were some more. So like they didn't even conclude that. And he's he's like a big part of the story. I don't know. I guess they're going to introduce him in the next the nep- movie. Oh, the other nephew. OK. Uh, yeah. The other nephew. So, yeah, you know, for me, like. First off, I, I just never. Rugboy mentioned a bunch of stuff that I just like discovered now. Like I just never was able to get a good grasp of the world mm-hmm. and like all the different elements like the Bene Gesserits, the witches. The, I had no I like. I still didn't have a really good concept of like who the emperor was, why we never he meet was the against. Emperor. Well, yeah, but I was like, we we don't know. I didn't know why he was against House of Trees, why he double crossed them. I didn't really have a good sense of like the lady at the end that was working with the Furman that was apparently like oh, yeah, the, the ecologist um, lady, the ecologist. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of things, and for me, like all that stuff, 
would have been it would have i mean i don't need it to be spelled out for me but i think the problem for me is like the world i felt like i was watching the film from afar like i never felt like i felt i never felt immersed mm, in the film mm. meaning i never was able to be like i never felt there were moments in the movie where i could just hang out with the characters and really get to know like timothy chalamet's character mm-hmm. and his relationship mm-hmm. with his family what really motivates him and like what this world really is like i felt like i was just kind of watching it like in a movie theater like yeah. you, i wanted to be kind of wrapped into the world and I because see. i could never connect with any of the characters you know it just was very um, almost a very in a sense kind of a generic hero's journey mm-hmm. that i just never was on board with like we get all these indications that uh, Paul is basically Jesus. Yeah, he's Neo. Right? He's, he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. The but but why, why is he the Messiah? He's and, the, well, yeah, the thing is, he's the he is the because he's half Ben Jesuit, and they it's usually not have a secret girls. either. It's not a secret either. It's not like you think something like Neo, where it takes to the end of the movie to get to. Like her, like his mother went against like the order to have a child to please. Duke Leto. Duke Leto, right. And they, a boy. They weren't married. That was his concubine, right? Yeah. But they usually, so, they're supposed to have women because the Bene Gesserit who are like the Jedis, you can consider them They have them control Jedis. over what they can give birth to. Yeah. Mm. They, they And they, they keep it amongst And then she wasn't women. supposed to train him in the weirding way either, and she did that. When- well, but the thing, though, is this movie, although is the inspiration for a lot of that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It is. It, it, it is. is it, it's the inspiration, but it was told in such a way that's so just like matter of fact, like, yep, this is, he's, he's the, he's the Neo, but it's like, and it's, but it's like, I never like, I never was like, it doesn't, there's no conversation coming out of this movie. There's no like, okay, how does Timothy Chalamet feel about being Neo? How does, how does his family feel about this? Like I never felt like a sense of weight on that character, like that I could relate to. It was just like, yep. He's one day he's going to be the man and he's yeah, going to stop I mean, all of this. The fact that she has this male Ben Gesserit trained, that's like a huge deal. And I, I didn't just feel any it, of that. It just seems like this thing that like, you know, like, uh, yeah, you know, they, that's don't not tell him that there. you smoke weed. It's like a secret like that. Yeah. Like, it's not really yeah, like a big like deal. That. Yeah. You know, it, that's a good that's a good analogy. It definitely felt like, oh, man, don't tell your dad. <laughs> That you you had a cigarette this morning. No, it's like no, I have enough fucking. The reason why they don't want the men to have the power is because they can't wield it. They they don't have the the temperament to re- wield it, so it gets out of control. See, I that, all right there. I don't know any of that coming out of the film. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's so much nuance yeah, and so much yeah. there that they don't they don't get into it all. And I'm like, that would have made it better. Like it would have made it so much better. Listen, but now I, but it's kind of like this I like thing. what they gave us, though. You get bits of things in. Look, there's a couple of there's a couple of scenes, like the the pain test, the one scene where he's having the vision. He's like, I see people chanting my name, going to war in my name, and then little clues when he puts he has the still suit on, and the ecologist is like, How do you know how to do that? That's the how feminine do it. And he's like, I don't know, it just felt right. And she says this sure. line. She goes, He'll know your ways without even trying. Is um, uh, you know the Messiah they have a prophecy? There's a lot of clues that he was. I mean, I love those little clues I, they I dropped along the way. It's not that the clues. It's just like it doesn't work. Yeah, it just like never. They're hits. there, but they're like they're not like they're not lining up in this great way that like gives you like this great feeling of understanding or like it doesn't click with you. Like yeah, when at the I end agree. of the Sixth Sense, when you get the reveal that he's been a fucking dead guy the whole time. 
everything clicks together and the hair on the back of your head stands up, you know, and you're like, holy shit, like this is crazy. Yeah. And um, I, there was never any of that kind of like feeling of, oh, wow, this is fucking intriguing. Oh my God. Like, oh, this is going to be awesome when they, when he fucking finally fucking, you know, it, I felt like, okay, it's just, it feels like, like, it feels like a very by the numbers yeah. movie with beautiful scenery, with beautiful sets, with beautiful acting, all that stuff was done to the to the nines. It was done to the best it could do, except for telling the story mm. of Dune. Mm. It did everything yep. great. What what I know, Imran, <laughs> like you, you obviously really liked it, and I, I, it, it's cool. There's I a lot of people dug it. That really yeah. liked it. But for me, like I'm gonna kind of echo, like there were it was just too many wide scope, like slow-mo shots mm. they i felt like they went to the to the flashbacks or the the prophecy dreams way too many times felt like the worms were used so many times that it like became overload like i just felt like every scene like danny villeneuve and um han zimmer were trying to make this the most epic thing possible <laughs> and because there was no like time to breathe time no no, no nuance it was always like big thundering music slow-mo shots Big landscapes. Look at the technology. Look at the cool things we have on here. And I was ever like, okay, like if you keep bombarding my senses with this, yeah. then none of it hits, yeah. and I'm just overloaded, yeah. and I'm just sitting there going, I'm glazed over, which is how I felt through a whole bunch of them. Like, what like, is the story? Like, there was some like nice touches that he did. Like, first of all, like let me talk about some good things. All right, so like obviously the acting is is good. Um, good. The casting is is pretty good. Um, and uh, they did great with Duncan Idaho, which was a smaller character that didn't have a, enough screen time in in a lot of the incarnations. And this one, he has more, and you feel it more when he uh, makes a sacrifice. I, yeah, I thought Momoa was great. Uh, he was badass. I thought Momoa was the best character. They did that, and then so and one of the things that I uh, in the novel in the movies. The architecture that the Harkonnens have is very distinctly different. It's kind of ominous and whatever, and just everything that they wear—it's almost like dark, you know, Star, yeah, Star the, Wars did the it Empire. better. They're the dark, right? Like, they're the dark Star side. Wars did it better. It yeah. like made this big stark contrast between what the the Jedi's and like the Jedi's were in these soft claws, and the stormtroopers were in this armor, and. I felt like both of the sides, the houses were were very similar. Well, it's hard when you're only using three colors in your fucking movie. I mean, yeah, and so the palette was so limited. <laughs> However, and- I was able to identify the dark suits were the Harkonnens, the sand color, the light suits were the Sadukar. Then you had like the Fremen had their sand look, uh, and then there was another uh, group. I felt like it would all. It, it felt like it all blended yeah, together Atreides too much. People did that. It was an enough contrast. Uh, and I, was, I, I didn't was, see the contrast. I didn't see I mean, enough diversity very, either. It's not huge contrast, but there was different shades but, of gray going on. I'll tell you what <laughs> they did. Uh, so th- they had those warriors with that weird fucking sound in their throats the, when they the, talked. The, the, the Sadukar, yes. Yeah. Th- but They're just the killers. You usually would use a visual cue, like give them really cool armor, you know, do something really like visually interesting. But instead of doing it, they just made them have burpee sounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like it was cool that they did something at least, and it did add something to it, make them more intimidating. But you know, there were so many opportunities for that visual flair to come in, and it would just seem like so muted and toned down that I was just like, I want this is Dune. This isn't like 
some fucking bullshit. This is like one of the major sci-fi novels of We're all time, and you're going to just planet. mute it yeah, down? because you're on a sand planet the whole time. Like, we are only on this one planet. Which but you need contrast. You need yeah. the contrast. You need... You need it. I thought this needs listen, to be there. there was a, a couple of great, you know, tense action scenes. That, of course, the attack is great. The when they was fine when they're in. The, I, I didn't see. I didn't even like. The, you didn't the, like the that attack. attack. The attack was crazy. No, because for, for me, I was like, I can't tell what's going on. <laughs> no, it's not that I couldn't tell what's going on. I was just like, oh, this came out of nowhere. Like I know that they were kind of plotting something, yeah. but then it just like, boom, they're attacking, and then like every time, I felt like the action would build into something. I was like, oh, this is going to get intense. I felt like didn't like he always would cut. And it'd be like, oh, like now we're back it cuts here. Cut to a slow moment. Like, it always was like it, it. There was like lots of stops and starts, and even in the way he was directing the action scenes. There is there was one random scene of like these these guys sneaking up, and then these other guys dropping down, and and or they're popping out of the ground. But it was literally like a minute, and then it just cut away. And I was like, wait, what the fuck was that? Who are those people? Sometimes I was the, like, who's those people? Yeah, I was like that, too. and I was like, how did the doctor, like, how was that one doctor Betrayal. able to? Well, I know it's a trail, but I'm like, how does he have access to like the most secure thing within the side of this fortress to just let everyone in? Like they would give the doctor that access, that access. I, I don't so know. The vision sometimes confused me, but I just thought it was funny that he's basically seeing scenes from the next movie. He's getting previews and like that's now I want to see. I could it was also I could tell where it was going to end. He was just going to end up with the Fremen and the next movie is where he becomes badass and t- takes over and helps them kick him off the planet. Well, the um, <laughs> the doctor does that in every single version. That is the that's the way that's it happens. The he's gotcha. he's right. a, they needed a traitor right. to in order to get into that to get into the building. But um, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Like the uh, look as an action film, as a as a piece of cinema or whatever, it was fine. It just I have a frame of reference to what I expected and. Even if I didn't know anything about Dune, just knowing that it was this big fucking deal to go in it and it being this kind of like, like, it's one of those things that Dune has been copied so many times, right? So Game of Thrones has copied it. Star Wars has copied it. Like, you know, endless amounts of things have copied it, you know? And so when it comes time, you got to really bring something different. That's another challenge I'm sure he had is how do you present this to an audience that is familiar with Star Wars? Yet this is the original and it heavily inspired Star Wars. I think you make it slutty Star Wars. And uh, yeah, make a dark, like adult slutty Star Wars. Spice, Spice is like, all right, it's like a drug. It's, yeah. You stop taking it, you die. You need it to live. You need it to live once you start taking it. And you know, and it does all this shit like it fucking this body horror, this distortion. There's, there's there could have been all of that. So it makes great here. pumpkin pies. You throw a little bit in your pumpkin pie mix. It's fucking delicious. Put in your coffee. Turns your eyes blue. That's yeah, kind of a cool after you, you're exposed to it to a lot and it extends your life. But um, like, yeah, that's different. Like that whole angle is different. We haven't explored that in Star Wars or Game of Thrones. We, you know, the, that element yeah. and how all of that stuff. Is interesting. The fact that the whole thing about the robots and turning on us and then us going into the analog, that's fucking, they haven't done that anywhere. Yeah. And they just completely just didn't even go into that. about the fact that they don't have guns, like the battle scenes harken back to middle age crusade battle scenes or like a Braveheart battle scene. Did you get the whole armor thing, Anthony? The shield. I kind of, these individual shields are cool. All right. So. The, the sh- <laughs> okay, so in the future, shields are so common, like body shields Everybody are so common has one. that they stop you trying to use guns because 
They made these shields that can stop anything that's coming fast at them, like a bullet or a laser. Oh, okay. So the only way to get through the shield is with a slow, bl- slow blade. He says that. I got that. He says oh. that in the movie. He goes, slow blade gets they through. They say it once. I, but I got, don't even but like I got really. It. I figured it out. Yeah. I, mean, I figured it out. The dart he couldn't get to, it stopped, but eventually pushed in. And then there's a second dart that he knocks away. I got it. The, you know, the thing I've been thinking about this a little more while you guys are speaking is like what the movie really committed to was big sets, slow-mo, big score, like a lot of technical things. Yeah. But the movie never committed to like some of these like plot points and elements and story things that I think would have been way more important. Like all that stuff was maybe said, but it was so glossed over and not really mm. like focused on that. Like again, I just the story and the plot never hit me because the movie never committed to any one angle. Like it's just it's your basic hero's journey, and it's it's odd because Dennis. Villanueva usually makes films where you come out of the film and there's things to talk about, mm. like in terms of story right, and plot. Right. What does this? What does this really mean? But no one's coming out of this film and going, "Man, he really made some things that make you like." There's some really some interesting elements in this movie that make you think about like how this relates to the real world and life, and like it doesn't do that. It's really just a set up to a hero's journey. So the themes that the book dealt with aren't there basically is probably what you guys would agree. Cause I love like the Arabic names and the Greek and Roman mythology, but they're supposed to have themes of like occupying lands, taking the resources, environmentalism, it's ecological stuff. It's, it's there, there, but imperial- really. imperialism. But you, you don't, you don't really see what like, you don't really feel like you never hang out with the Furman enough to even understand well, how that like, affects that's them. The second movie. Yeah, I wish we could see. But this is, part, but this is one I movie. Know, like, I, I have to judge it by I the know. one movie. I wish we could have seen where they live, their sieges. I was so curious. I was like, I want to see what this looks like. Like it, when, you, when you see the Furman, I'm like, oh, like, dude, it seems like they like living out here. Yeah, it's do their they, Do desert. they not? Is this, so I'm like, so are they oppressed or what? Well, the Fremen, like, they believe in number one, there's like, going to be a messiah that's going to restore Arrakis to a paradise. And. There is water underneath Arrakis, deep down in caves. Oh yeah, the water. But it's very hard to get to. Yeah, and they can't. They don't want to use it. They they feel like it's holy water or whatever. It's very precious. So, and not only that, but they have ways of getting water from their dead. So they put their dead in like these things, and then they, they squeeze well, all the they water. They said that at bodies. the end when he had to kill the dude. He's like, "I got your the water in your flesh. I will take it from you." So like, yeah. In a world where everybody's trying to get the spice, all they want is water. And I think that there's something poetic about that. And they did kind of make that allegory there, and it was there, but it was, it could have been better. Like, I just feel like the whole film was kind of like, as I said, it's like, it leaned a lot on Game of Thrones. Yeah, the drama. It leaned a lot on that I, that dramatic angle. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're not going to deal with it like a space movie. We're going to deal with it like a Game of Thrones. And try and get intrigue on who's whatever doing what and the evil houses against each other and plotting against each other. The water thing was interesting because I thought they would touch on that more. I like how the suits recycle your body sweat. And then there was that little mouse and it was like drinking its own sweat off its ears. And I was like, oh, yeah, no water. And that water. mouse will come back in and that'll come in. He back sees the mouse it. again uh, at the end on the way when Zendaya at the end of the movie goes, this is just the beginning. I was like, oh, son of a bitch. It's over. Right. 
Uh, the mm. sandworms, I kind of love how they're the, the world's dragons. And Anthony, you said there was too much sandworm. I, I got to disagree. I thought they teased just enough. I want to see more. I want to see them fucking more people riding these fucking sandworms. Like the scale of this thing is wild. All the vibrating sand parts I thought were really cool. It was really fun to see. Uh, and they, I felt like, I felt like we saw them too much because I, I think I counted. We saw them four or five times. It was literally like every time they got in the desert, it's like, oh, yeah, because the, the, sand yeah, the sandworm's going to fucking get you. And, uh, I, it just, I get, it was just one of those things again where it's just like you overload me mm. so many, like the first two, t- like the first time when they're like mining the, the spice and the sandworms come, I'm like, oh, this is pretty tense. That was but a great, like, yeah, the rescue was great. The hurt. But then they do the flashback thing in the middle. I'm like, oh, my God, he's cutting the tension again. <laughs> uh, but then, like, the second and then the third and then the fourth time, I'm like, okay, like, I get it. The sandworm's always going to be there. But then the moment where he comes out and then he and then they just stare each other down, Paul, that sandworm doesn't attack him and kind of, like, just yeah. kinda, uh, uh, acknowledges him. I was like, oh, shit. You can clearly see. He's the chosen he's one. He's the one. I know. You can clearly see where Lucas got the idea for the Sarlacc pit also in this uh, sandworm. Oh, yeah. The voice is like the Jedi mind trick. The, yeah, the, the and- Bene Gesserits of the Jedi. I mean, we can't get away from the fucking Star Wars comparisons because he took a lot from this. Obviously. Right. I, guess, I mean, it's a Star Wars Game of Thrones kind of mashup. That's a lot more moody. Yeah, and just no jokes. Just take all the jokes out. In the no, sci-fi no series, I don't know if this is from the books, but in the sci-fi series, there's a love triangle where Paul Atreides and the Emperor's daughter, like, she's obsessed with him and wants to marry him because she, she thinks he's hot. Well, he mentions that at the end. He goes, the Emperor has no sons, and she's like, you're going to make a play for the throne, and that was his plan. Why, why does the Emperor not like... The trade house of trades, yeah, because it's a good question. They were uh, in the in the grand scheme of all the planets, like the Atreides name was like of an honorable family, like the Starks, mm-hmm. and people were like trying to they and they heard that the Harkonnens were like assholes, and they were like they were like gaining favor and becoming more popular amongst dealing in dealings with even the emperor. They didn't trust the emperor, and the, and then this is the biggest thing was that the the guild the space guild was starting to favor House Atreides too because and so as soon as that happened the emperor's like oh, I got to get rid of this guy so let me put them on there and then that'll make him you know that's like putting Ned Stark on you know in in charge of the Iron Throne as the as the as the hand of the the king you know it was put a target on his so back immediately is the guild more like what is the relationship between the guild and the and the emperor like who the space guild is in charge of all interstellar travel so nothing gets shipped anywhere mm-hmm. nothing goes it's imagine like these ships are like these big fucking ocean liners that carry shit from place to port to port mm-hmm. like they're in charge of that mm-hmm. so without that like everything stops anything going from planet to planet stops and then like you know all these people that are using spice are going to die you know so they like the spice must flow that's what they keep saying that it has to flow mm-hmm. and so they have a lot of power so anyone who controls the spice is essentially the, the in charge of everything. So the space guild of the emperor have the most power, but Atreides, the Atreides family was rising in power. Oh, and the emperor is kind of threatened by that. Yeah, well, yeah, and Harkonnens hate them. They have like a long, they have all this long feud going on, like the Lannisters and the and the Starks right, or whatever. Right. So the emperor so, sent Atreides to Arrakis as kind of a trap, knowing that absolutely. the Harkonnens are going to go and take him out. I didn't even catch that that was a trap until you said that after the movie. They say, it's say it in the movie. Do they? Yeah. 
Uh, he does say that they're more point. aware of it in the actual book. Like they know that they're they're in trouble, and I think they do it in the movie. They do kind of like when they when there's this whole like the procession and they come in the ship to uh, make him you know sign the thing to take over. He like he looks very fucking scared, like not scared, but he was looks like he's like this sucks. I have to do this, but there's no way I'm getting out of this. Like so, Duke Leto's like yeah, this is our 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 our, our duty to do this. Like we can't back away from this. So I think everybody knows that it's a trap, but. It's not as it seems like more optimistic than it than yeah. it should desert be. Desert power because he's cause like he, we need desert power, right? He keeps going. We need desert power. We need to like. He, there's a lot of like him talking about making an alliance with the Fremen or the Furman. So it seemed like he and he was like you know like we got to build up these machines and like get, get everything going again. Like I, I don't know. It felt like he was still giving it a go as if he was going to try his like, strategy was right it. yeah he was like look the way to beat the harkonnen and the empire is to actually not occupy the fremen but be, become friends allies with them yeah and learn desert power and that way we can take back what you know whatever or be in power yeah and what happens is um in this one and this and this is in this version they get to they get to arrakis and it was all it was all like fucked up and then they couldn't produce uh, spice, right? Okay, yeah, right, yeah. And they're and like, they, oh, they like, left. They were left with crap. So they was, he was on. like, they were like doomed to fail. I think in the book, his plan works, and they are working with the Fremen, and the Fremen, and and things are starting to jive, and that's when they decide to fucking just go in ham and fucking attack them, hmm. and they 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 do some kind of thing to kind of get the emperor to to agree on it, but um. Because he he doesn't want to have his any of it follow him back. Like he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Keep his hands clean, but yeah, Yeah. he kind of like set him up. Uh, The fucking Baron in the black liquid was amazing visually. Reminded me of Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. So fucking weird. Holy shit! And then he just goes back in. Apparently, the guy did that for real. Like that's still in Skarsgård. That I know that fucking that prosthetic suit is amazing. I thought it was Gary Oldman. Yeah. You don't even see that he's wearing like an anti gravity belt. Oh, you that's just, how he floats they, around because he's so yeah, fat. Yeah, he has. He's so fat. It will in the uh, in the novel that he has to have like an anti gravity belt to. I did to love get that shot where the but the doctor is like, okay, you. I did my part. You do your part of the bargain. And then he's out of focus in the background. He goes, oh, you want to go see your wife? And then it's a shot just there, and he slowly floats forward in focus. He's like, he, go see he her again. He just kills, just fucking slices his neck. He's oh, like, right. go see her, and then chunk. Fucking cuts his head off. I think there's just uh, yeah, just not a lot of fun to be had in this movie no, it's either. Very moody and dour and like fuck. Okay, so wait, let's just talk about kind of where it ends because that guy, at the end the Baron's like kill all the Fremen. We have the spice, let it go. I'm um, very confused by the ending. Okay, so Paul meets the Fremen and the, there's a uh, the one guy Jamis who he has been having visions of, who's the guy that's like, let me show you the desert. Seemed like they were telling him. This is your friend. Find this yeah. guy, right? So what, why does he kill him? This guy, I, I have a theory about that. This guy doesn't get a good feeling, challenges him to a duel, a fight to the death, and Paul kills his first person. Now, you notice they took his body with him. I think they can reanimate him with the spice. We might see that, and then no. they become friends. No. no? <laughs> why would nope. they take his body? They took his body with him. Isn't that for the water? They're going to dance the oh, water out. Oh, they take the water out. So then what was the fucking vision? Sometimes I guess he yeah, doesn't why, why see were, things yeah, that his happen. His visions aren't always accurate. Is that? No, his visions are saying, he, yes, he is the way to becoming a Fremen. He, so one he, of the things that they, 
Killing him in battle automatically will get him. Oh, in he the gets fastest. him initiated, dude. Oh, okay, so it was just like a like a hey, this guy is important type of thing. Like you're gonna need. There's something around this guy that's gonna lead you to the friend. I was and like, just well, killing he him. Killed the guy of, who was supposed to be his friend. What I was confused as fuck. Yeah, I, that was. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's fine. That's like an allegory. That's poetic or whatever. Blah blah blah. But uh, yeah, this guy, his only he, the only purpose that he serves is that. He gets a trial by combat, thus proving himself to the Fremen and then allowing him to actually be taken in by he's the an Fremen. initiation. Yeah, and now he's in. I did love that one vision of the, the uh, war scene where they fucking pop out of the ground, out of the sand, and they're wearing like Power Rangers outfits a little bit. And then you see that it's him and he's all badass and he's killing I just him. don't like the CGI with the mask open. Yeah, that, it looks it, so it fake. Does, that looked really bad. Uh, but the. The fact they came straight out of the sand, straight up and attacked these people. I was like, oh, shit, they're in the sand. Okay, so at the end, they're going to, she's like, this is the beginning. And now he's going to get trained in the uh, Fremen at, way. At the end, we finally, uh, we finally get someone that's like cast as one of like the lead characters. And she the has like some of her only not, yeah, dialogue in the entire up. film. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And she's and, like, not, she's just not just even in this movie. Okay, so let's talk about clearly the needs a sequel. Now, what's interesting is Warner Brothers, after seeing this opening window, opening monies, we mentioned the respectable numbers, you know, better than people expected. You would think they would announce Fast Track, a sequel. Do you think this sequel gets made regardless of box office? Legendary really is the one, I think, that has to pull the trigger on announcing the sequel. But do you think it does enough? I I really want to know what happens. I want to see him train and become badass and go and take down the Harkonnen with the Fremen. Ride a fucking sandworm. I want to see this shit. Uh, it still depends on how much money it makes, and I think it's got a, it. I think it's on the right path to getting a sequel if it makes a decent amount of money, and it potentially gets some Oscar love. I think a sequel it will might. happen. Which I think it will get Oscar for the by. score, maybe directing, cinematography, and it might be it might even get a best pick nomination. Oh shit! Rugs, does it get made? Is it a for sure thing, or what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I don't expect the world to think I, like I do because I know that a lot of people have not seen anything. Maybe other than that, most people have just seen Lynch's Dune, and this is a huge step up from that in a lot of ways uh, as like a legitimate film. So I think that most people are going to be happy with this film. It's got to be the best version of this story so far told on screen. Eh, Maybe. I mean, uh, effects-wise and cinema cinematically, uh, like looks-wise, yes. I don't know if it sticks to the books and, and gets you the story as much as the sci-fi series does. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sci-fi series takes a few liberties, too. But like for the most part, I think it covers the basics. Um, I think he made it palatable and didn't overstuff it with too much. I could have used a little bit more. Maybe just a little bit. I don't know if he made it palatable. No? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't. I, I was still confused by as fuck by the end of it. I feel like that Dune is such a great concept that has so much so much to offer that to just lean on the Game of Thrones aspect of it only weakened the movie. Watered down too much for you. I feel like they just gutted it. And they just said, okay, these are the bare bones. We're going to cut out. If there if there is a love story, a uh, love triangle, we're cutting that out. We're cutting out all of uh, Baron Harkonnen's other, his, his other nephew that's 
and that that so he's in line for to marry the empress. I believe the, the, the ecologist em- character is a man also and has a big part in the book. And the, they made it a woman. They switched. Yeah. Well, that she did. A, she did a fine job. Yeah. That's not a big no, deal. She's good. The acting was good. There are HBO Max has announced they're working on a prequel story about the Benny Gesserit. So you can find out more about that. That could be interesting if they if they cover the history of Dune. Like they should. Why are they afraid to like to? I mean, but we've been like hearing about stories about Star Wars of all these different things, and we're all we want to know how it happens, or we'd like to see versions of it. Like we heard about like how Anakin became fucking Darth Vader. We still got to see that in the prequels. And then at least it was there. We got to see it. You know what got me in the mood for this really was Apple TV's foundation series, because really in in terms of when the books came out, the literary sci-fi fantasy line of succession starts with Tolkien. And then Isaac Asimov writes foundation. And then Herbert kind of writes this as a response, a kind of a counter to foundation, but foundation does a lot of the same world building and they of course have more time. And and I wanted to see and the, like this really reminded me of that same kind of world building fantasy You're sci-fi. Forgetting about John Carter of Mars. Oh, and there was that, which was even earlier. That, that was, was so set in, a, in in Mars in a desert. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's with another my, one. With sword fights. All of those, yeah. All of those are the huge <laughs> inspiration. And warring and warring tribes and warring factions, like uh, very similar. Um, Whereas Foundation is a comment on like preserving knowledge and history. This is more about, uh, like f- it's supposed to be about like it's about fe- oil. oil, it's about yes. oil and shipping resources, and, female and, power and maybe. resources. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, let's rate it, Anthony. What would you give this movie? Final oh, thoughts. Man. Oh man, this is a tough one because it it yeah. is very very well made and. We didn't even get in. First off, do no one want to talk about Hans Zimmer's score? Oh, I will. Oh, wait, wait. Yes. No, stop right there. Rugs, <laughs> that's, Rugs, that's a big part of this movie. Yes. Rugs, do your impersonation of a Hans Zimmer score. You nailed it even before watching the movie. That's 100% correct. <laughs> I think was, I told you guys yes. in, in before the movie, I said, this is Hans Zimmer completely unchained. Yeah. And I think that's Denis Villeneuve was like, you're you're going to do what you want. It was in aggressive. Fact, you might make the music and I'll make the scenes <laughs> make based the on your music. Yeah. yeah. Well, they both love Dune, right? Both of them have said they love this story for a long time. So they know the source work material. Now his score is so aggressive at times. There's high pitched strings and then there's drums. And then there's always a woman vocalizing. I, 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 I it was kind of funny. Cause like, I was like, cue the lady and all the lady will come up and go, ah, but then I kind of thought about it as like, is this the Benny Gesserit spirit and soul? Like the, the, the women cult, this is them singing throughout the thing. But man, this woman kept showing up. He, he uh, brought like a 35 female, uh, chorus of women and recorded them <laughs> on Zoom to do this, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, it works for the most part, but it did start to become a joke at that point. Also. Yeah. I mean, he invented like- instruments too that didn't exist for this. It literally was like every scene he was just dominating the scene with his score. I felt like half, more than half the movie wasn't dialogue; it was just him scoring the movie. Yeah. And people, we are just watching, you know, scenes occur with the score just happening, sand and music now, and ladies singing. Yeah. What do you think about all these people, these dudes that are going? This is a masterpiece. I mean, I could see the argument because if you look at the scale, no. what's masterpiece about just it? the fact that he could pull this off, the scope of this movie, shooting on location in a hundred degree heat, 
Uh, the sets are amazing. The acting, the direction. I don't know. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of technical stuff in there that I would say is very good. But to call it a masterpiece would say that the story and the mm. characters mm-hmm. really coalesce together. I can't say that because mm. I just didn't like the story and the characters. I I watched it as parts of it again, you know, uh, on HBO Max, and like I kind of dug it on a second viewing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I gotta watch it again. But when I, I'll tell you my experience while I was watching it. I had two different polar uh, things happening at the same time. On one hand, I was like. Oh, this is a cinematic experience. This is a lot of cool shit. This is some really cool shit. Some cool acting. Some, you know, great choices here and there. But at the same time, I'm like, is this doing? The whole time I'm going, is this doing? Is this really doing? Mm. This is the, this is what they're telling? Mm. And I'm like, I had that conflict going back and forth. So when I went to go rate it, if I were going to give it a number, yeah. I, I'm i like, okay, I got to congratulate. Because usually I go, is, this a, is it a movie? Yes, it's a movie. It's definitely a fucking movie. It's it bordering on cinema, whatever you want to fucking call it, a film. But um, as I said, I don't think it it. And then you, uh, when I look at it, did it do the intended thing that I needed to be done? Did it tell the story the best possible way it could be told? And I think no. I think that they wasted a lot of it on these lingering shots of Zendaya. And people in in thopters, thopter, or the like thopter. there was like in like just like vistas and like sure do that every once in a while to establish the area, establish Iraq, establish you know uh, all the different areas, but don't keep doing it and then waste screen time and like literally have shots of people just sitting not saying anything. And you can do that all day if you have nothing else to do, if it's just about, but you have to tell this whole world, this, all of this story is just getting lost. Yeah, I guess he yeah. sounds like he left out a lot. So I'm like, I, I was getting annoyed by that. So I'm going to give this like, if I'm going to give it a scale of one to 10, I got to give it an above a six because it's like an above average movie. And so I'm going to say like, I think in my, my uh, instant reaction, I gave him a, like a 7.5 or something. Yeah. I'm going to drop it down to a 7. Okie dokie. It's watchable. Okay. It's not bad. Okay. It's, but it's not great either. It's just, it it, it 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 falls pretty short of what I expected a Dune movie to be. Anthony, what was your number? You didn't give me a number. I did not. No, this one is a tough one because I can certainly appreciate a lot of the technique, tech, technical work that's put into this film. It's... I, there's definitely a lot of hard work that went into this. It definitely seems like a passion project. Seems like uh, it, it, as far as like the whole entire movie industry, you want to see things, even though the, I, this wasn't made in a way that I liked, you want to see auteur directors get a chance to do gigantic budget films, mm-hmm. big IP the way they want to do it. And this is definitely the way he wants to do it, right? Like there's n- definitely, I don't feel like there was anyone holding Denis Villeneuve yeah. and, and Hans Zimmer back from doing what they wanted to do in this movie. That being said, I didn't find it to be all that entertaining. I didn't find it to be all that engaged. Again, I felt like I was it never hit for me in a way that I wanted it to hit. And a lot of that's because I just didn't understand the plot and I didn't really understand any of the characters. Like I didn't understand their motivations and what this world really was like. I was just watching things um from my seat, you know, without a real feeling of immersion. So 
it's tough. I, I, I almost when I when I first came out, I was like, this is like a four out of ten oh, for me. Shit. But but I you know I have to give it a little bit more credit than that. I think it's a disappointing film overall. Okay. And with that, with that in mind, I'm going to give it a five and a half oh, out snap. of ten. Okay. It's better than average, but I mean, it's not a film I'd want to turn on again. And 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 it's not a film that I makes me want to watch part two. It's not one of those where I'm like, I got to give it another shot. Like. I always hear that with like TV shows mm. and TV shows is different, right? Because they're 10 episodes, eight episodes. So you can watch the first couple episodes and it can be slow burn. This is a two and a half hour movie. That's yeah. like sensory overload. And if by the end of that, I'm not like, man, I want to see the continuation of this story. I think that's a problem. I dug it. Look, I dug it. I appreciated the ambition to the scale and the scope. And like you said, the hard work all, but everything you guys said about the story is kind of true. I did end up picking up, enough teases and clues to i want i felt you like picked up more i now let me ask you a quick question before you give it a rating because yeah. i want you to think about this yeah for a movie that takes place in a sandy planet yeah. was there enough brown people in it for you there's probably should have been more brown people it is a little bit i'm just gonna say the yeah. white messiah story also the white savior story <laughs> you know a little bit uh there's some you got javier bardem and zendaya that's good representing uh okay. and janice uh, but I, uh, when it ended, I was like, oh shit, I want, like I said, I want to see this guy become a badass and ride a sandworm. So it got me hooked for that. So right now I'm going to give it 7.75 and that could change if the, uh, the second movie fills things in better, but all of your, uh, all your critiques is absolutely valid. Could use a little more information. He's just teasing at things, but I'd like that he was showing more than telling at least. I just, I would love to be blown away just once. I would love to just go to a movie yeah. and just be like, holy shit. Like, this is fucking unbelievable. They nailed it like in every yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't quite get there. No. What, what's, what's disappointing is that he's, I think he's a really good director yeah. too. Yeah. And to make, again, a very technical film to make a movie where you've made like Arrival and Blade Runner and, and all these other movies that like provoke a lot of conversation afterwards about themes and identity and all these things movie doesn't do that for me. And you know, he, t- yeah. he took that's kind of the, that's like his kind of his jam. Like he's really good at that kind of stuff. It's kind of weird. Cause it's not a bad film. Like, yeah. you know, in, in, in what he has created, it's fine. Like everything kind of works and there's some great stuff to pull out of it. But at the same time, if you know the actual, what it's supposed to be and you're like oh that's missing i wanted to see that oh that i wanted to see that and that would have made that better and so it's just weird that he made these choices it seems like he's trying to take this big thing and then try to make it intimate for the drama and for but i don't think he's succeeded what is the drama that you think that's i think what's the drama is it this boy is going to if you're doing the story of of Paul Atreides, right? Yeah. It's about this boy who's kind of like, he knows he's special and he loves his dad and they're going to a place where he knows shit. He's had dreams about this. But he's got to fulfill his, his destiny. It's fucking whole family's going to get decimated yeah. and that he does. He's uncertain about his future. Not once did I feel that not once. Yeah. Did I feel, you feel that? that more like a Luke Skywalker, I suppose, but uh, oh, 100%. That's why, that's why, yeah, that's why that movie's a timer. Yes, <laughs> and I, I don't, I, I don't know where this movie is going to end up, and I think maybe that'll be decided in part two. But I do think, um, 
I mean, if you look at like Letterbox, I think the average rating is a four point one out of five. I think a lot of critics the, really like it. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is ninety one percent. So, so there's a lot of people that like, like it, it, and I think it will get Oscar love. So I might even get a Best Picture nomination. I hope there's a but, second one. I hope there's a second. One. We'll, I think it's see. decent. I think it's decent. I think it's disappointing at the end for me. All right. But okay. But yeah, you might love it. Go check it out. Check it out. Let's do some news from the nation. <laughs> It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. Oh, shit. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. And that was a little remnant. <laughs> well, we're going to follow up the fart noise talking about a tragic situation with uh, Alec Baldwin here because oh John Pilati Jr., who is the admin, lovely, strong-handed admin of our Facebook group, uh, had some comments about the uh, incident on his movie set, Rust, and uh, he posted an uh, article about legal experts weighing in on Alec Baldwin's possible liability saying yeah while the New York Post newspaper is practically a tabloid rag this is an article that says a lot of the same things I have been saying to quickly catch everyone up this is a just a bad day at work for Alec Baldwin filming this low budget oh, it's movie the worst day at the work the worst day you could ever have filming a low budget movie called Rust uh and uh, uh, the first thing we heard when the news broke was that there was a uh, prop firearm discharge bad and ended up killing the cinematographer uh helena hutchins director of photography you mean you get brandon lee yes uh, crow vibes when you hear something like that and injured the director so like two people got injured we didn't know what was going on as the investigation and new things come out it is uh been a crazy story this one uh, article says what uh, this according to this affidavit what happened so a search warrant affidavit first reported by the Santa Fe reporter kind of tells you what happened Thursday at this ranch outside Santa Fe according to the document so the guy involved charge of weapons on set as Bilotti had mentioned is a, they're called armors or weapon masters uh, according to this document the armorer had laid out three prop guns on a rolling cart the assistant director handed one of them to Alec Baldwin, telling him it was a, quote, cold gun, meaning it was believed to contain no live ammunition. But according to this affidavit, the gun was then loaded with live rounds. And then when Baldwin pulled the trigger, he tragically shot her with a fucking live round. And then director Joel Souza, who was standing behind the cinematographer, also got struck and wounded. Now, more details have come out that this set has had lots of fucking bad things. The set conditions were not great. Uh, IATSE union workers had l walked off the set because of these unsafe conditions. They were replaced, apparently, with non-union people to continue let me, let me comment on that because I saw that today. Yeah. Everybody and their fucking mother is going to be looking to get money out of this. Yeah, who is so, liable here? Because although I, I don't doubt maybe set conditions were bad, do you think that really led to like a mistake with the gun? Like, I, I feel like everyone's going to look at this and like, there's so many ways that this is going to get pulled apart by lawyers are going to get so involved in this thing. Like, everyone's going to be looking to get Alec Baldwin, like, hung up, like, whoever, all the production, like, everyone's, everyone's going to try to make money. Sue everybody pretty everyone's much in this sued. one. Sue everyone. Yeah. No, it's a that's... definitely a tragedy. But when I saw that, I was like, hmm. 
okay, like now the unions are going to get involved. You know, he's executive producer on the movie. Also, uh, yeah, the 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 they're you know they're scab workers to the union. They're being replaced uh, after walking off an unsafe set. So many bad things, so many ways that this could go. What was it unsafe? What did they do? Well, I heard that the prop master was very inexperienced as well. Yeah, oh. they had misfires earlier. Oh, wow. Uh, and I think someone else got hurt. It was just they weren't doing things the right way. And in this article, I'll post some of these articles. The armor explains, like, when you do this, you close off the whole set. You double check everything. Nobody's around. You never shoot it at the camera or at a person. Like, it's always cheated off to the side. And even blanks can be deadly. There's still gunpowder involved. My question is, why are they still using live fucking rounds? Just do it CGI now. You add smoke and pop and everything. It looks the fucking same. You don't need to be fucking with live rounds on a movie set. It's ridiculous. I mean, that might be... That might be a change that comes out of this. Who knows? I mean, really, it should not be. I, I mean, can't they d- create something that is like really harm, really harmless, like that makes it feel? Because I think when you're acting and you're using a fake gun, I think giving it a live round gives it a sense of authenticity. But you can weight it the same way, so it feels but like real. Maybe they gotta do. I mean, that's a whole business. Like, come up with something a fake ass gun. First like, of all, whole it's industry called there. acting. You act like there's a live fucking round in there. What the fuck? Come on. <laughs> I don't tell Jared Leto that after he was sending used condoms to his. Oh clip. God, yeah, he's he's, he's, he's a nut job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, it's, it's a very it's, it's so just a horrible, and it does echoes of the Crow and Brandon Lee and how that guy, you know, that in that case they. There was still some debris in there. It wasn't cleared, and the blank went in. I wonder, like, like I saw one of the articles you posted, like Alec Baldwin could face liability. I mean, that, yeah, I don't even yeah. know. Like, people are going to go go after him, but what did he do? Like, I, I, like it's just terrible. If he for was that guy. really told there was a cold gun and someone loaded it. Didn't tell. It's not you know. It's clearly or someone should have been checking. Do we think checking. he just he pointed a gun that had a li- like and knew there was a live round? Like what? That doesn't seem hard. And it's weird that two people got shot. Like, did he fire more than once? Was it the same thing? That it's just there's a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, still, I have, but like you said, they're gonna sue everybody. Everybody's Everyone. gonna get sued out of this. Everyone. There's no way that, out of it. I don't even know if, if that movie. If Alec gets made. Baldwin was anybody else, because like people like don't like his politics, right? What was it? Like, people don't He's like very him. liberal. Yes, he does the Trump, Trump impersonation yeah. on SNL. Yes, yeah, he did Trump. Yeah. So people don't like his politics. So they. Now they're coming out of the woodwork to like, you well, know, this is their shot for sure. Involuntary manslaughter. He could be criminally liable. For, that's oh what they're God. saying. This I mean, is fucked up. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is really it, kind of a, a weird question to even ask, but wonder if that movie even gets made at this point. Right. They, they, I mean, they, the director's alive. They, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, they shut down the set. I saw it was the last thing uh, while they do investigation. So, Everything has been halted. But the armor, uh, this lady, uh, she, her father was an armor. Uh, on, the armor was Hannah Gutierrez, also known as Hannah Gutierrez Reed or Hannah Reed. Uh, and she was in a video with Jensen Eccles recently showing him how to use a gun for the movie, which she's in this movie. Her father is an armor, veteran armor, Thel Reed. So she comes from a line of armors, but somebody wasn't doing their job. That day. Did you just say she comes from a line of armors? Yeah. yeah. Father shit. is a veteran armor. So, like, <laughs> she's been around this. Uh, must have been. Anyways, fuck. That's, that's sad. So, all right. Let's finish up the sad talk with some. What are we watching? Anybody watch anything fun? I watched 
The Long Halloween Part 1 and 2. Oh, the animated adaptation on HBO Max. I started watching the first part and I didn't go back. What did you think of that? Is it good? Should we review it? Should we watch it? I don't remember it being the same story, quite the same story. Well, changed as a we lot. Got. Was the uh, Long Halloween all about Falcone? Oh, like everybody was in there, I thought, but he was in it. This was like all about Falcone. Catwoman was in it and Scarecrow, right? I don't remember. Yeah. So they leaned more on the, into Falcone than the, than the Joker and all the other things. And But it was like the whole idea of uh, you know murders happening on holidays. Like Calendar Man and shit? Yeah. All of that was in there. Was it good? Uh, um, Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was good. Oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was fine. It was fine to watch, you know, watch it one night and then watch part two the other night. And that was fun. All righty. Anthony, you watched anything? I watched the Chappelle special. The uh, oh, the oh, last cl- one. The closer. Okay. The closer. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed it. Okay. Thought it was, I thought it was very well done. I liked yeah. the message at the end. I feel like a lot of people that are hating on it probably haven't even watched it. They so. watch, you got to watch that story at the end. It's crazy. That story at the end is super touching. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. There, he, I'll just say this. He has a way of crafting his jokes uh-huh. and his messages together you know like he, he the way he cr- combines some really like you know kind of it seems like very mean spirited things but then with an overall message that he wants to get across i think he does it in such a unique way it's carefully it, written i think it's i think it's genius i think yeah. the, i think he's a, i think he's a genius yeah i think i think he he's one of the greatest comics of our time you know and, he's- and, and, and he and his and what he's saying has more depth to it than just jokes. He reminds me a lot of George Carlin. He's a genius in Carlin, and both in the sense that both of these guys do these sets, and it sounds so natural, like they're just coming up with this, but they're both carefully written, carefully chosen why words. You, so why do you use. think that this has been taken to the in the degree that it has as this kind of, according to people, people think that it's a it's a call to war or something. You know, it's like well, did you get that out of, Did you get that out of that, Anthony? No, I didn't get that. No. Um, yeah, I don't think. It's I, I think it's. I think it's there because he. First off, I think he has a very unique way of telling a story, and it's not always going to hit with every single person. You really right. have to be engaged in what he's saying the entire time and really be listening in. Also, he's not someone that's going to apologize, right? He's <laughs> never going to. So you know, he's had a few specials already, and you know, people have gone after him, and he keeps just doubling down on it, and keeps going back to it, and keeps going back to it because he just that's. That's who he is. He's not. He doesn't give a fuck about that kind of stuff. Like he's going to tell the message that he wants to. He wants to give, and and there's a certain segment of society that wants people to feel ashamed about the things that they do, and never be around. And he's he doesn't say sorry, and Netflix still hasn't. It doesn't hasn't pulled the plug on him. So, I think there's a lot of like the the anger that builds up is because they don't feel like they're winning. They don't feel like. And I and I'm not saying they like as in LGBTQ. I'm just whoever's mad doesn't feel like they're getting what they wanted out of this, which is him to be gone forever, and it's just not happening. So I, I enjoyed it. I, I I didn't feel like it was very mean. I think the jokes can be taken at surface level, and if you just isolate the joke, it could be considered mean spirited. But he, I, th- I think he makes fun of everybody like in that. the same kind of tone. Yeah, and it, I, again, I you have to like watch the, the whole thing. Yeah, I think the joy for me to watch it or was. It's a, it was like almost like watching Jackass. 
It was like a person okay. wading into a oh, yeah. shark infested waters and like poking at sharks. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like watching like some jackass shit. <laughs> and so I thought it was thrilling in that way because I was like, whoa, this dude is like no one does this shit anymore. Really? We don't really we're not doing this anymore. And I think that's something that art has to be sometimes. Otherwise, you don't have piss Christ or you don't have uh you know, uh, a, a canvas with your vagina blood on it, like, uh, and hanging out. You just, you do shit that no one understands or that some people might not like, but I've seen people do it in the name of art. And I think that that's what is art is there for, you know? So, um, whatever. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> art is also like kind of an expression in like alternate ways of communication, right? Instead of just yeah. using, you know, your words or your actions, you kind of tell it in a, either a painting or a, a song, or in this case, a comedy special. Like he's just, he's telling his story in a different way that a lot of people are just aren't like, unless you watch a lot of comedy, you're not right, used to right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're not, especially these days, like to turn on a comedy special. Like again, I was at Joe Coy yeah. and he was, you know, making fun of different races and making fun of COVID. Like, you don't hear that stuff right. all that often yeah. unless you go to like you watch comedy specials or you watch you go to comics and you you know you, you see, see you see a lot of stand up like yeah. you, it's or just you're very like jarring years old on the internet right <laughs> <laughs> you're just it's you're on Xbox live playing something it's a jarring <laughs> it's a jarring to hear that kind of stuff these days i mean it's great that all of us are like uh put off by it i mean it shows that we've somewhat evolved in in many ways and questioning it and then that that's that's a kind of a big deal right like something that you wouldn't bat an eyelash at like maybe 10 years ago like you wouldn't even you'd be like ah shut the fuck up you know now it's just like yeah well you know we gotta think about that listen art should be challenging and sometimes make you feel uncomfortable and speaking of feeling uncomfortable curb your enthusiasm is back on the air (laughs) <laughs> oh shit! Season eleven has started. First episode oh my aired God. last I night. Gotta check it it's, out. it's good. It wasn't the greatest episode, but it's a good start. And it wasn't the the spite store good. Uh, no, but I think it's getting there. There's a bunch of things they're setting up and a bunch of gags. It's and it's a lot of people yelling at Larry, going, "You're a bad guy, Larry!" And Larry just goes, "I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the bad." He yells that a lot throughout this episode. It's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, so I can't wait to see where this goes. But JB Smooth, John Hamm is in the first episode. Leon's there. It's fucking great, and it will make you uncomfortable whether you want it to or not. I love her. Uh, uh, also on Netflix, I don't know if anybody was watching that Lock and Key. I watched the. How first, was that first season? You know it was all right. Season two came out. I don't even know if I'm that excited to watch it. I kind of forgot what happened. It was okay. Lost in Space is getting another season, though, Rugs. I still love that show. Remember that show? You like it? I do like it. I liked it. Mm. We'll see what happens. But Lock and Key season two. It just became so formulaic for me. I was like, I can't watch this anymore. I was like, I am like, I can't stand the show anymore. I liked the first season a lot. Lost in Space, yeah. Yeah, that second season just kind of put me off of it. I felt, I felt like I was like wasting my time watching it. I was like, I know what's going to happen. Well, it was the whole thing with the robot. I love wanted to see what happened with the robot and the kids, but mm. they're never going to, you know, they put it in peril, but they're not going to die because they're the lead characters. But they're, right, they're, they're, it's the, the stakes are always there. Anyways, that's uh, stuff we're watching. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Share the show. Make sure you stay subscribed so you always get the show as soon as it comes out. 
Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. We'll peep you next time. I fucking love Dean. They didn't even get to that part. Oh. It's fucking oh, awesome. Zach Tatarak. Yeah. That's really good. I really don't give a shit. Better Jesuit. Jock and Nerd. <laughs>